I'm Ryan, and tonight we-, we actually have with us some special guests. Yeah. Go ahead and introduce you guys. Uh, so so uh, we're the other Record Night podcast. <laughs> my, name, my name is Colin. Okay. Uh, I'm Jake. And I'm Joe. Welcome, and, you and, guys. Uh, yeah, it's Thanks good to have you guys. Yeah, so Definitely. these guys have a Record Night. They're called Record Night Podcast. If you guys search for them, it's generally Record Night Podcast. And we're Record Night. But we recommend that you listen to both our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, tonight we're actually doing the theme uh, records we bonded over. Uh, we uh, got in touch with the guys from Record Night Podcast, and um, we uh, came up with a theme. And uh, we're really glad to have you guys on the podcast. So thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, of course, man. Let me, di- let me just say, it, as far as listening to both podcasts, like I've um, I have a I work at UPS uh, mm-hmm. loading trucks, so I'm able to listen to a lot of podcasts. So I've listened to your guys, and um, you guys listen to a lot of different music. So I, you know, um, we're definitely offering kind of different um, tastes, you know, as far as like listening to uh, to both podcasts. Oh, for sure, for sure. So like, uh, I I don't want to say we have a certain taste, but uh, yeah, there's a wide range of stuff to talk about. So. Um, sure. For so, sure, and there's there's great music to discover across both podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to talk about first is um. So uh, Ryan, why don't you give a little uh, a little primer on Tame Impala's inner speaker? Oh yeah. Okay. So that's our <laughs> that's the album we picked. <laughs> we uh we usually will go through the runners up, which uh there was really no question that it would be a Tame Impala album. I think we kicked around a couple of things, but right off the bat, we were like, uh, it's going to be Tame Impala. <laughs> yeah. We were kind of the same way. Yep. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I, so we picked Inner Speaker, which it's my personal favorite. I think it's his best one, but they're all, they're all good. Yeah. Um, I think Chris I think, disagrees. Yeah. My favorite is uh, either Currents or um, Wonderism, which is the second and third record respectively. But, uh, but I think, um, I think a run of us for this was Death Heaven's, um, Definitely sunbather, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we definitely bond over this one. And Russian circles, blood, uh, blood here, which is another run up, which is uh, another post rock band that we actually waited to we we're together to listen to that record um, because we were super excited about it. But yeah, uh, our pick is Tim Paulism. Um, their speaker. They've been around since about 2008, but they had an EP that I don't know, Ryan, if you picked up their EP before that. No, I've never listened to it. Uh, it Sorry, was I had actually, a motorcycle gang driving by, apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, their EP was actually uh, only released on U.S. on Record Store Day, I think, in 2012. So. Oh, that's cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't like them until probably like 2000, I want to say like 17 or 18. Dude. So I was, I was, I got super into this album because this is one of those albums. It's like a really good summer album. I don't know if you guys like, oh, today's a good summer day. I'm going to put on this album because it matches the vibe really well. This was like the perfect, yeah, this was like the perfect day, perfect situation. I was like out of class, uh, just sat down, uh, under a tree, hanging out and just listened through the album. And it was like, it was like perfect. It was just perfect timing, perfect vibe. And I got Mm -hmm. super into it. And then like two weeks later, Chris and I were at a, uh, like an after party roller derby thing. Cause my fiance and his wife play roller derby. It was like an after party for a game. And the jukebox at this pinball bar was playing a bunch of inner speaker. And I was like, oh, Tame Impala, this album rules. And he was like, it does rule. And then we hung out. <laughs> that so that's right. how we bonded over it. Nice. But uh, yeah. And so um, we were really interested to see how you guys uh, thought of it. 
Um, yeah, had you guys had either of you guys listened to this before? This is new to me. Not not the record in entirety. I mean, I've heard of the band before. I've heard mm-hmm. like the song of Elephant that's off their like next record. And, sure, um, sure. Um, maybe a, a couple other songs. Yeah, really good. Like they just, yeah, just such a good. This record was just such a good vibe. Like through the whole thing, I was just vibing throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah. So the, How's the uh, weather the, there? Isn't it really nice? Is it yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice hot. weather album? It's been hot for Cleveland. It's been hot. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, the uh, Tame Paul is the brainchild of Kevin Parker, who is basically Tame Paula. Uh, he does all the instrumentation. Um, he is they're Australian. He's Australian. And uh, oh yeah, I do think that's a that's a good thing to point out on this album. It's all one dude. Oh yeah, that, we were wondering that. Like, okay, is it like is he bringing in people to do it, and he's just taking credit, and they agreed to that, or is this dude like ridiculously like multi talented and just like, multi talented? Oh my wow. god! Yeah, this, <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's he's a fucking virtuosic at one songwriting, two texture, everything about this record about Kevin about Kevin Parker being Tampala is pretty insane. I've seen him live once, and uh, you know. He has people that he's employed to tour live with them, but Tame Impala, yeah, he can't play it all at the same time. But yeah, can, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's an incredible musician, and uh, it's one of those things that, like, do you, are you guys musicians at all? Do you guys play any uh, instruments? Um, J- not really. Jake okay. uh, uh, is has been getting into the bass lately, and I've messed around with the guitar a little bit, but not in any yeah, serious yeah, way. I, I just started practicing two months ago, so I'm really fresh into it. So. It's a lot of fun. Oh, nice. though. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. That's a great if time it... to start an instrument. Oh yeah, for sure. There's plenty of time. For sure. Yeah. But uh, me and Ryan grew up playing guitar, right? So like, um, listening to it, we like, how the fuck do you do that? A lot of the time <laughs> while listening to this record, um, I'm not saying you have to be a musician to appreciate it because that's definitely not the case at all. But I, I do think that uh, it gives a different insight into what Kevin Parker has been doing. Mm-hmm. I, t- I totally agree. here for everybody. Yep. Yeah. But um. Yeah, uh, do you guys want to go through track for track if we give our listeners a little break to get into it? Yeah. Sure. Well, well, let me just say real quick uh, before we start. Sure. I um, I, I had never heard of Tame Impala. Now, when mm-hmm. I when I brought it up with Joe and a couple other people, they were like, "Oh, those guys are really good." And I realized like these guys are critically acclaimed and everything. But I, I went ahead and bought the record. So let, let me shout out a, a local record store here in Ohio, Plaid Room Records. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, I bought I bought the record from them, and I was thinking, man, this is ambitious to go ahead and buy this record I've never heard before. <laughs> um, but I'm so I'm so glad I did because we all we all loved it. So uh, huge okay, fan. Yeah. Awesome, we're really glad. All right, well, we'll show a few record stores here in KC. Um, uh, big fan of Mills Record Company down here. They are a great record store. Uh, what what do you got, pal? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I yeah. like records with merit. Um, <laughs> how's how is the record store situation there in uh, Cleveland? Um, it's good. I mean. It's good. We, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny, man. I really didn't get into like collecting records and stuff. Like I would go to like resale, like half price books, like resale sure. shops around here. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really gotten into it. I'm more into it now that stores have been like closed and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. like Lakewood is a local city here. That's kind of like, um, more of a hip scene and they've got a lot of cool record stores, but yeah, I haven't really been out, um, you know, lately. So I'm, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, I know Chris mentioned Mills. Um, they're doing this really interesting thing that I've taken advantage of a couple of times where you can buy stuff on like a theme. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I've bought in a couple like the oddballs packs or the essentials packs, and they'll just stuff it full of records that you should have 
Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Is it like yes. um, is it like a subscription based like thing? Like you, you pay for like a or, or, no, or is you just like purchase. Yeah, it's a one time purchase, but you can do it as many times as you want. Yeah, for example, I, I got uh, the apocalyptic uh, theme, and they gave me Godspeed, you Black Emperor's Luciferian Towers, which <laughs> nice. which was which was insane. I fucking that was one of the things we considered uh, talking about, but um, I forgot yeah. about them. They're really good, Black Emperor. <sighs> Yeah, I, fuck, I got a Thin yeah. Lizzy album from the Essentials. So I know, <laughs> I, got, I know. Before we started, um, Joe, you were talking about like getting those like essential albums in there, and I didn't yeah. realize that that one wasn't essential. But now that I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, this oh, song, uh, this song. Yeah, they're, they're, they're also from Australia, just like um, Tame Paula. Tame Paula. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I got actually the, they sent me for an Essentials um, Motorhead. Yeah, I was I was like looking at the lyrics for jailbait and I'm like, Jesus fuck, like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not 2020 friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not. Because I'd forgotten about that and I was uh I was just kind of hanging out and I get a, a text, a picture text of like the lyric sheet, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> I just said so many good things about Motorhead. <laughs> No, but but be fair, uh, Ace of Spades. I mean, uh, let's let's act like the lyrics are all in German. We know what they mean. It's a re- <laughs> it's a great record. Um, but uh, we we can go ahead and um give our records, uh, listeners a ten second break to pick up um or to listen to Tame Paul's um in the speaker, and we'll be back in ten seconds. And we're back. That's so cool. uh, ten seconds. So, uh, <laughs> since this is your guys' introduction to Tam Paul, what were your thoughts about uh, inner speakers specifically? Um, let me just start with, and you guys can add to this. I'm, just, I just, as I listened to it, I just started writing down bands that they reminded me of. Um, okay. Since this is my first listen, so um, Beatles. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would definitely say that. Like they have such a strong Beatles influence. I know Ryan has a some reason he's not a big Beatles guy, but I heard Beatles. Hey, all I like Abbey Road a lot. <laughs> me as well yeah the beatles that, that was the first one that jumped out at me right away mm-hmm. um i also wrote down gorillas um mm-hmm. pink floyd silver sun pickups uh killers king gizzard and mgmt yeah so my first introduction to tame impala uh was because i was super into king gizzard and somebody was like well listen to tame impala then which was like I, I hear it more now, but I feel like a lot of it was like, well, they're from Australia. They're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me a long time to get into Tame Impala. And I think it's because I listened to Currents, which if you happen to listen to that one, it's a little more like electronic, a little more synthesizer based. Like he really pivoted into uh, like electronic instruments. Um, so I tried listening to that one and I was like, this is not like King Gizzard. I don't know what you're talking about. But now I now I hear it that I heard the earlier stuff. Yeah, I definitely got Beatles influence, especially in the vocals and the way that this is produced. Um, mm-hmm. So the the definitely I also the, think he plays the like Honer Hoffner bass, like uh, yeah, like a little Beatle bass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, the, the whole psychedelic vibe too, like the Beatles were doing with like Rubber Soul and mm. Revolver and like albums like that. You know, I I, I could definitely see that they took influence from those. Kind of album. Oh, for sure. What was, oh, what was interesting too, uh, like speaking of like artists, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have this like kind of electronic, almost contemporary kind of sound throughout this album. 
But uh, a lot of times, I, like another couple bands I, I wrote down that reminded me of was like Cream and Jimi Hendrix. Like mm-hmm. they have these really like well-placed blues licks. Like yeah. in these guitar solos, just really like tasteful blues, just kind of blues solos and blues instrumentation, just right. Like it hit at just the right moment. And I just, they re- it really blew all of us away whenever like yeah. we'd hear that. We'd, oh, you know, it'd give us that little. That little, like I said, grunt of approval. <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I when you say Cream and Jimi Hendrix, like a one song specifically on the album yeah, pops in my head that we will talk about later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you listen to that and it's like, all right, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Th- that's a that's a lot of this record is just going fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely. We'll, we'll get you with we'll get you with and shake your head in the uh, ardent approval of this of this record. Um, yeah. Um. I'm really glad that you guys were into this. Um, by the way, we we're pretty sure that we'd pick a record that is pretty universally liked. Um, I know Ryan's tried to test me with things like Swans or something like that, but but uh, this one's a this is a good one. Um, do you guys want to go through this track by track? Sure, let's do it. All right. Cool. Well, it opens up with "It's Not Meant to Be." Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that one? It's the big uh, opening statement of the album. Yeah, kind of a thesis, even too. Um, so this was my first listen just, just now we, um, you know, I was, I was listening to about an hour before we got together here and, um, it, it can be a lot to take in at one time. I really, uh, lyrically, I really liked this album and I couldn't really pick everything up. I'm going to have to go back through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, uh, you guys can talk more about it lyrically, I guess, but I, I liked there, there was a perspective change at the end. Um, is this the one that has, he's talking about, um, his girlfriend is not cool with him sitting around smoking weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I forget what the, what the lyrics are specifically, but um, it ends up changing to like, you know, you know, she's the subject. And then at the end, he's the subject. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. That, that's actually yeah, one of the things th- I wrote down right at the end was like, I wanted to know what you guys made of that. Cause typically what we'll do when we're listening through it is, you know, read along on like genius or whatever, which people like write their own takes on it, which I Same. end up disagreeing with like 95% yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah. Nope, yeah, that's totally. wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or it's like, well, that might not be what I think because people are looking way too far into it. But it, <laughs> I don't think, think anyone really that. knew what to make of like the last, the last couple lines of this because it does do yeah, that like it, perspective it, change. Yeah. It's a different in retrospect when, with that because it really it's about a, a relationship that won't work. You know, like, like the, the narrator really digs this girl, but he knows that she doesn't like the shit he likes, which is kind of why would you even be into her? Make super hot, but um, <laughs> but like, I mean that example, that seems like what he's saying something about yeah, like, uh, the way that she moves. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I, wrote, I wrote down stake. <laughs> I wrote down like things like say, girl, what's on your mind?" Because she doesn't open up around him. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, the last the last course where it changes from uh, he didn't have open hell. I think it's sort of like um, him looking at what the maybe the the girl thinks of him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm getting from it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting song, not only lyrically, but uh, it's 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 a good thesis for once you hear this song, you get a pretty good idea of what Tame Impala sound like. You know, sunny psych rock. You know, um, and uh, one of the things I love about this record, all in all. 
is the bass in this is all fucking incredible. Oh my god, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was just I was getting the semi listening to the bass in this record again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's very particular. I I watched like a making of the album after this one, and it's like he's very particular about like the sounds he has. So it's like he'll he'll sit there and just like tweak like a bass drum sound or a bass sound until it sounds perfect, and he's like at certain points it's like he's just like i have to let it go because i could sit here and perfect this album Mm. over and over but what i specifically like about this one it's like got this like wall of sound like the production is really thick it's like these layers of just like here's like four guitars each one has like a crazy amount of reverb and echo and uh like phasers and all this stuff Mm -hmm. that just uh, it gives it that like wobbly smoky psychedelic sound and he, even Ken Berger's voice, or I'm going to call him KP for now on, his voice is drenched in reverb uh, throughout this whole record. We're really good but, friends. We can <laughs> appreciate yeah. his name. Me and KP. <laughs> uh, me and KP, we hang out. But uh, no, uh, he this whole record, his voice is drenched in reverb, but it's not like he's trying to mask how much of his, I guess, of a singer he is. He's trying to enhance it, which is a lot of people, like uh, a lot of any bands like Bear in Heaven, they'll, they'll, or uh, Surfer Boy, they'll pull up the reverb because they're not that great of singers but uh it really works with kp's voice on this um he um and i heard a lot of john lennon throughout this whole thing yeah his voice sure. is very, yeah totally yeah that that whole brit pop like oh yeah and kind of sound like vo- vocally that's that's what it reminded me of is like the, the whole british invasion kind of scene mm-hmm. definitely and then we'll, we'll we'll it goes into design be, uh desire be desire go um, and I thought this song started out, it has a really muted production sound to it. Did you get that, Ryan? A what? Muted? A muted sound? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they're, they're it sounded, it, it all just sounds thick to me. Yeah, okay. Um, this is the one that, that, that definitely, like, if you weren't thinking of Beals before, you definitely hear it in Desire Be, Desire Go. Yeah, there's that part in here where he's, like, singing, like, feel. And that's just like that's sixty psychedelic rock right there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like the uh, just the percussion, like the drums and the bass. And no shit, it, yeah. It's, it's just such a good groove, mm-hmm. and even, even with the first song, it was a good groove too. But the second one, I really got into it with the drums. Like I'm a big fan of drums. Like I love drums. So mm-hmm. like the, they're so, they're typically what I pay attention to the most mm-hmm. when I'm listening yeah. to stuff. But the, yeah, the, yeah. the drum and the bass together, and 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 the whole the. The sync, just everything. All the instruments were just amazing in this song, in the second. And the what I love about the 60s music is the drums, like the way it's uh, the way it's mic'd, and this was very apparent in this song. And also, it it if you weren't thinking about musicianship before the um, Desire Be Desire Go shows how good K, KP is is almost every instrument he plays. Yeah, <laughs> you know, amazing. It's like yeah, um, and uh, this song is um, I'm gonna write down about it, the lyrics on this one. I didn't really write down anything about the lyrics on this one. Well, um, let me hit you with what I yeah, hit, <laughs> hit me up now. Um, at least what I what I got on this is like this uh, this kind of struggle between like the desire to work on and like maintain relationships and then just like not really wanting to because you get the the big statement on this album is it's just kind of being alone whether it's by choice or not. I think later in the album it's a lot more obvious that he chooses to to be just kind of be by himself yep but it's like that's the he's he's it's all he's like introverted talking to himself he's the he's an inner speaker yeah um, <laughs> oh 
but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on on this one it's just like when you get to the chorus and it's like you know back and forth back and forth every day it's all the same like it's kind of like all i'm doing is just talking there's just a lot of back and forth it's tedious and all this stuff so he doesn't really he he wants the relationships but he doesn't want to do the the working on it maintaining it part yeah and i mean i don't know at least that's what i got that i mean it makes sense (laughs) i'm not i'm not saying no (laughs) but yeah uh that's um to me this had a new production but in a good way like it, it enhanced it like the um ryan was talking about the wall of sound and it's definitely like that in most of the songs, but I didn't get that. I thought everything sounded kind of like it was coming from a different room, which, which isn't a bad thing. When you say muted production, do you mean like more like stripped down, like more like like indie kind of sound, like where it's well, like not as lush and not as well? Like, I was I, I was getting I was getting like underwater. Mm. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, so, so, with the reverb and the distortion yeah. and all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely think that there's a lot of if you were to. Yeah, I think the cover would have worked even if it was an ocean of water because there's a lot of um, a lot of sounds like this. this and the, uh, one of the things I love about KP's production is definitely his the sounds he's able to create. The this this thing is so textured, and um, I think it's part of the reason why both me and Ryan love Tay and Paul is the texture they put on on these songs here. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, and then we can move on to the third track, Alter Ego. Yeah. Um. And and that, uh, I actually wrote down. God damn that bass, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just it just hits you so hard in the way that it's just so grooving. It's just a lot of grooves in this in this record. And um, th- this also it, you hear parts of um inklings of later Tame Impala in this. Mm. But this song to me was basically about. It, I mean, he, this whole record is about conversations with himself. But I think this one's the most overt when it comes to that to that theme on it. Yeah. I'd have to, I, I, I wrote down, I, I wrote down that I love the lyrics and again, I'd, mm-hmm. have, to, I'd have to go through them again. Jake's got to mm-hmm. pulled up here, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was definitely um, his, his lyrics. A lot of times I find like in this, um, what, what, what genre would you consider? To, is this like, like psychedelic? I was reading like psychedelic pop, psychedelic rock. I call this more psych rock. I'd say later records are more psychedelic uh, pop, psych pop, but I call this psych rock for sure. At least, yeah. The first two, the first two are definitely like psychedelic rock, and then he kind of he leans a little harder in the more like pop structures and stuff like that, but just heavy doses of psychedelia. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, I found these lyrics accessible uh, for that mm-hmm. for the genre. You know what I mean? I oh, think yeah. a lot of times like they're, they're less so, um, but I enjoyed. Um, the accessibility of the lyrics, I feel like, in this. Yeah, yeah like, like, I, I like to a lot of, like, ahead. 60s psychedelic rock. Like, my favorite Pink Floyd album is their first one. And that some of those lyrics are just so impenetrable. <laughs> it's like, right. what yeah, are you talking about? <laughs> a few yeah. weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we listened to King Crimson's uh, In the Court of the Crimson King. Oh, and nice. Those, yeah, and uh, I, I, it was the first time I heard that. And I like, I like most of that record, except for one of the songs. What was that song called that we hated, Ryan? Oh, Moonchild. Yeah, Moonchild's so awful. But um, <laughs> now that, that record's only like five songs or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. but it's still like a full length. Most yeah. of the songs are decently long. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, but uh, the none of the lyrics remind me of that because some of the lyrics in uh, early '60s psychedelic is so is it's a uh, fucking um, corny. I guess the best way mm. to put it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I don't get any of that with a uh, with um with Tan Paul. It's, it's pretty contemporary when it comes to lyrics that are accessible. Yeah. And um, 
and they aren't too hard to decipher. You know, seeing here, uh, listening to a Fugazi song, trying to de- uh, trying to analyze lyrics to Margin Walker, but um, but with this, uh, yeah, it's pretty accessible. But um, what I got from this is basically, Alter Ego is just another ver- version of himself that comes out when he's trying to mack on a lady. <laughs> that's what I got from this one. I got it more as like nobody else is going to match up to his standards except himself. Yeah. So he's just going to hang out with himself. One of the things I really loved about this song is in the verse, the second verse, there's a stop, you know, and it, it, it's like, um, and then it also the same, um, same part where he says, the only one who's really judging you is yourself. Mm-hmm. And sort of like, he doesn't give a fuck when he thinks it's just, it just matters to him. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty cool. I don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but, um, I was a big fan of the the guitars in this because they it seems like they just stacked up mm-hmm. like six guitars, and it almost gives it like a horn sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and is then like, I I know we were talking about drums earlier. Like I think the drums groove the most on this one. Yeah, the drums are out are, are really groovy and just really you could you could you could. That's what I was just tapping my foot to the drums like the whole time. Like I was like in a really good space, like a really good group with the yeah, whole entire a, album. Yeah, this record doesn't bum you out. It's a pretty good record. No, too. not at all. To chill to. Yeah, for an album that's about like being alone and all that stuff, you're kind of <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, all right. I mean, yeah. It gives it almost like a positive, almost like uplifting, um, you know, vibe of being yeah. alone. But sometimes being, I mean, I live by myself. I think it's great. I love it. Like, it's actually, right. It, it's, like, it's, it's, not, it's not all bad. It's interesting you bring that up because, like, we're talking about how, like, this whole album's about, like, how that's a conflicting, like, he's conflicted about being alone versus what he could be or being with other people. And it's like, you kind of have that, that it's like really groovy, but like you say, it's really stacked. So it's like groovy, but he's in this haze. At right. The and there was songs about, about drug use that we'll get into. It's the same kind of vibe. But, like, that's actually, that's a good point. Yeah. I think the instrumentation Which, reflects that kind of battle. Oh, yeah. Which I think would... talking about the haze is is a good segue into the next one. Oh, uh, basically... It's, it's my favorite song on the album. It's also... Uh, to me, it's probably about tripping. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that was pretty obvious to me in this one. Uh, it, you know, what would a psych rock album be without uh, songs about <laughs> probably LSD or Mushrooms? Um, but, but again, I've never done LSD or Mushrooms. Uh, believe me, second when I get that hookup, I'll be doing it. But um, <laughs> but because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a hard time finding weed, much less uh, any other hard drums, other drugs. Uh, hard drugs. The, I've what, never what, successfully done a drug. What are the laws? Successfully, what are the weed laws in, uh, in Missouri? Legal, not legal, medical? Uh, so very legal, illegal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Missouri is uh, just now start doing medical marijuana, and Kansas is very legal. Right. Um, oh, cool. So, so in a yeah, we're I, we're on the Kansas side. So, uh, oh, okay. For the like, for the police, I don't have any weed upstairs in Montana upstairs at all. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, lucidity to me. Was, That's uh, how the other record night podcast takes us down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a this clip from the other. Yeah, in ten minutes, I hear on my front door. But, um, <laughs> But um, yeah, Lucidity to me was pretty, uh, pretty probably about tripping. Um, yeah, because he talks about certain, basically, uh, other dimensions he goes to. <laughs> but uh, again, this one shows his um, his small his chops on this one too, like how good he is at his instruments. Um, 
I love the freak out at the end of the song. I actually like most of this song. And uh, I said earlier, I, I mentioned Ryan earlier that I have a favorite song on this record, and I'm actually agreeing now that Blue City is probably my favorite song on this record, as opposed to the other one I mentioned. I'm here to change minds. Yeah, change minds, pal. Change uh, and alter them. <laughs> um, so uh, if you've... One thing I really like with lyrics... Uh, is when like the lyrics will somehow like reference what's happening in the music. And one of the lines I like is um, he kind of gives like three options at some point. He's like, will I suck or will I fizzle suck or just float away? And then you get this little bit like float away. And then like the music gets all like floaty. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there you go. That's what happened when I'm floating away. And for for interesting thing, Ryan mentioned wall of sound, but it's also very spacious. So I thought there's a lot of, a lot of uh, a lot of space in these songs, where it's also close with the three dimensional idea of um of it being underwater because you can go up or down, left or right. Right. And um and so uh, I thought I thought that was a really interesting way to talk about it. But I do I do like the fact that um that the production on this is it's insane. Like I don't know how. A lot of times, how you got these sounds. I'd like to get a good look at his pedal board, honestly. <laughs> oh, it's probably nuts because he's the only guy yeah. doing it. So he's got to have some yeah. like this vat, like this huge setup where he just is. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Set, I'm going to set up here. I have a, a big muff pedal, a loop pedal, and a delay pedal. But, um, but yeah, he has way more than that, obviously, yeah. listening to this record. And I think that if you guys ever check out Lunar's, I think on the back is a. <laughs> room where all his all his uh, instrumentation is, and it's it's wild. But, well, real quick to your point, Ryan, uh, the um, the lyrics interacting with the music. I'm a huge fan of that too. And just kind of going back to before when we were talking about this being like an upbeat, upbeat kind of sounds versus like somber sort of lyrics. I'm a huge fan of that dichotomy generally. Oh yeah, as well. So oh, yeah, for sure. And I I think that's a a good thing on this album or this song specifically is because like. Yeah, maybe, I mean, it's obviously or maybe probably related to drugs and stuff like that, but he's not like, hey, I really like this feeling of being on drugs. It's like, can I please be lucid again? Like, I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm not super stoked about floating around in the water and, yeah. you know, <laughs> visiting other dimensions. He's like, please, <laughs> can I just have all my senses back? Yeah, yeah we, we hear songs about drugs. It's always like, like yeah, man, this uh, you're really glorifying the idea of, being uh, inebriated, but this song right here definitely doesn't say that. It's basically, I want to come back down. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of a bad trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love the I love the false ending. It happens a couple times on this album, but it's like it stops you. Like, oh, cool, it's over. Oh, and then yeah. Super fuzzed of... out guitar. Yeah, yeah. I like the, I like the freak out at the end of this one. It's sort of like, um, yeah, it really helps out with the with the song. Which brings us straight into why won't you make me make up your mind? Which I, I wrote down the first thing I wrote down this was Wiggly. <laughs> I, That's funny. You know, is it because you were Wiggly, or do you think the song is Wiggly? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I could hear it going back between the speakers because it was just going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, the guitars. I, I listen in headphones when I do it, and the guitar pans through the uh, like the stereo, yeah. so it goes from like right to left, and then it goes back. Which is a it's a really cool feeling. That's why Wiggly. Um, I like in um, this is the one where I said I'd love to see the pedal where I actually wrote that down because there's all sorts of sounds on this one. Uh, phaser mixed with chorus, probably mixed with the distortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one to me didn't really kick in till the end, 
like a, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but you'll hear a song and it really doesn't make sense to you till the last maybe minute of it, oh, and yeah. then it all comes together. So it's like, it's like, um, it's like a, a movie you're not sure that you how you feel about until the ending happens, and all of it makes sense. And that's what I got from this from this song. Why don't you make your mind? It ties it up beautifully. Yeah, a lot of songs do that for me, especially like there's a lot of songs that I'm like reading through the lyrics. I'm like, I don't get this at all. And then like mm -hmm. the last verse hits and, it's, and everything kind of comes full circle. It's like, oh, yeah, now I get what they're trying to say. And that and, and they usually that's what makes the song good, mm -hmm. you know, for me. It's like that last part. And then when I go through it the second time, then I can understand like, oh, yeah, this is what mm -hmm. you're trying to say. This is what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. and it kind of all comes together. Yeah. Yeah. With and this one, um, I feel like there's there's a lot of like interpretation for it. Like you get out of it, I guess what you put into it. Cause on this one, I feel like, cause he's not saying specifically what the, what he's talking about, what people need to make up their mind about, but I get like a relationship about it. Somebody's undecided on whether they want to be in a relationship with him. And at a certain point, he's just like, well, if you're undecided about it, I'm just going to call it. Right. Yeah. You're not going to like my choice. So you need to make up your mind about it. Right. Mm -hmm. something, interesting, mm -hmm. something interesting about this song is it doesn't really have a structure that's normal. It has two choruses and then an instrumental break. You know, like, mm. so, um, yeah, not, not, not a traditional song structure, which I'm a big fan of non traditional song structures. Um, it's yeah. weird, but I don't really mind. Well, being, being song <laughs> five out of 11, too, it, it, it offers that, like, you know, that break. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a good, I guess it's a good spot to, to put that kind of song in an album. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm a, and then uh, that brings us into uh, Solitude is Bliss, which if you guys see my name on here, Solitude is Chris. <laughs> I, did, I did not catch that. I am a failure. That was Ryan's idea. So you can get that. Yeah, uh, I'm, but, I'm uh, Bold Arrow of Slime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. What do you guys Solitude feel about this one? I love this song. Yeah. It starts out kind of classic rock, right? You get a classic rock five in the first uh, minute or so? Yes. Um, is this the song? Do you guys know what the singles were on this record? Uh, this was not a single. Uh, Why Would You Make It Your Mind was a single. Oh, okay. But, uh, but um, I, I don't believe this was a single. Okay. I it, give it. Yeah. I, I definitely got the same vibe that classic rock. I thought it, it sounded to me like that was one that you, that you would release as a, a single, but yeah, I definitely got that vibe from it. Yeah. Um, this, this was uh, the one I, in my notes I wrote down. Ah, he is the inner speaker. Uh, <laughs> I, what I wrote down is a, is a line from Pete where uh, says, I'm a loader, Dobby. Uh, I'm a loner, Dobby, a rebel. <laughs> so I wrote that down. Um, but, uh, Oh, Hey, actually, um, Colin, since you were asking, the singles were Solitude is Bliss, current track we're talking about, Lucidity, um, Expectation, and Why Won't You Make Up Your Mind. Okay. Four singles. And this is actually the lead single. <laughs> so there you go, pal. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, I, I'm right now, I wrote down like he's basically saying he can never be himself around with all these people around. This is the one, like, this is one I think is most overtly about, um, about how he feels. Being alone is like the the closest he can feel to being himself, I guess. Right. Like, it, mm -hmm. it's, and which is it's sad, but but he seems to be fine with it. KP seems to be all about being alone. I, I wrote down the lyric: uh, "There's a party in my head, and no one's invited." That, that's <laughs> a, that's a solid line, man. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, there's this line by this man called Herbert Danger says, "Uh, 
singularity is that the same as Zillow loneliness? And um, I he definitely doesn't feel the way about this. So um, he it seems like he'd rather be alone. But also, it seems like he's trying to reach out to a lot of people through this record. Like especially significant others, he's he's trying to reach out, but keep him away at the same time. It's it's a weird uh, dichotomy throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think this one is kind of like the end of maybe like part one on this album. There's no like run through mm-hmm. narrative or anything, but like you've got the one instrumental track that follows this one. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of feels like, okay, we're done with the first part of this album and then stuff kind of changes. I don't know. Yeah. Picks up a little bit. I felt like, well, we'll, we'll get to the, the instrumental, but I felt like when the, when the instrumental came in, it was a total sh- vibe shift. Mm-hmm. The first part. I feel like the album is like two parts. In a way, like yeah, first, like, which I love on albums when they're when it's like the first half is this way and the second half is this way. Like, I, been, I, do you guys have the album handy? Yes. Yeah. So I was just gonna say to that point, um, this that is the end of the first record. It's a double LP, hmm. and so yeah, Solitude is Bliss ends the first record. So it, that's what change. I was gonna ask. I it makes just whatever they, that that was that was it. But it makes sure they sequenced it that way with the idea of a vinyl release in mind, because uh, you know a lot yeah. of these. A lot of 60s psych bands, they do that same thing where they're saying, sure. okay, you uh, we have this uh, instrumental that's going to break up these two discs, you know, like mm-hmm. pretty uh, pretty simply. Um, that, that's something we talk, we've talk we talked about in the podcast several times, how older records, I think, were written for vinyl. And I think uh-huh. a lot of newer music is not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's cool that if, if you did do that. Yeah, there's a lot of records that you'll notice that the track listings change because the, the way the vinyl, uh, the, the runtime is. Tool. On vinyl, which is a, uh, I, I don't know. I find something so pure about being forced to be stationary while you listen to music, mm-hmm. which is a uh, vinyl so much because you're sort of forced to listen to it. Yep. Mm, as sure. opposed to, uh, I mean, there's there's something to be said about records you just do while driving around or working out, but um, I do I do like the idea of hey, you're stuck here to listen to this, so um, definitely get into it because it's super rewarding when you just sit down and listen to a fucking record. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. I have noticed through like collecting vinyl, um, some of the limitations of it. Cause I have, uh, there's an album I really like called dope smoker by this band sleep. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It is an hour and 10 minute long song, uh, like doom metal song. It's really cool. Like at some point you need to listen to it, but it's, I have it on vinyl and it takes up three sides and like trying to, they're, you can hear them trying to like figure out like, at least when they were cutting it on vinyl, like, okay, where do we start fading out on this one? We have <laughs> yeah. so I want to mention Ryan listens to so much stoner metal that, that it surprises me that he's never successfully <laughs> done drugs on this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> enhance it. I'm telling you. <laughs> enhance the experience. Do you like uh, oceans of slumber? Have you heard of them by any chance? No, I haven't, but yeah, I'm I'm to check them out. They've got a lot of doom. Draft and write it down. And a female lead vocalist who I like a lot. Too. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, do you guys want to get into a uh, Jeremy Storm uh, that that Mr. Mill track? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you guys think? Like, what were your thoughts on this one? I feel like at least when I'm showing people music and it gets to, I listen to a lot of instrumental music. Um, oh, so great. I'm showing people stuff. And they're kind of like, okay, when does the singing start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like hitting hitting people with like a four minute long instrumental track in the middle of a album that's pretty focused on vocals. What? I think it's, 
I think it's cool. I think it's a good way to break up an album if you just throw mm-hmm. an instrumental in there. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I don't. I don't mind it. You know, trust me. You you get plenty of singing. We get plenty of lyrics about this whole thing. So one instrumental song is not gonna it's not gonna kill it for me. <laughs> one thing that I like that Kevin did in the song was uh, basically a constant sound with that ride cymbal. Like it never lets up in them. It gives a real feeling of a storm of uh, yes. rain falling. Yeah, or yeah literally. So uh, I yeah. think this track has a narrative of like a storm. There's mm-hmm. different parts in it. Yeah. Where it's like he's kind of making weird guitar sounds that I think is like thunder. It, it kind of, yeah. we were talking about that. It kind of like, it's like storming, then it kind of like wets up a little bit, and then it's back to, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely got that same vibe. There was like weird, like distortion. I don't know if it was actually a recording of it or like it was just a guitar. Like it, I said, it was like rain hitting a window pane, mm-hmm. kind yeah. of like looking out of a window, hearing the rain, like a hard storm, like hit the, hit the window pane. So for sure. And one thing, uh, if you kind of continue on listening to Tame Impala, he's pretty good about his instrumental interludes. There's at least something interesting. Um, some of my favorite ones pop up on like Currents, uh, which is just kind of this really interesting like keyboard sound. It doesn't last nearly as long as this one, um, but he's he's great even just with like his instrumental stuff that kind of seems like most bands would do is kind of just like a throwaway. Like, oh, we need to fill three minutes. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the the record company wants 12 songs. And we only have 11. So let's just throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to fill 30 minutes or it's not a full length. <laughs> right. Well, one of the things we commented on here was um, I you just ran through them and I don't remember, but I believe this was released as a single as well, which we thought was kind of boss, like to release an oh, instrumental as a single. Yeah. I yes. still have it pulled up. This one actually was not a single. Okay. Mm. We, we, we like writing in like the genius, like. Um, yeah, back wrong to again, genius, yep. you again. bastards. <laughs> Which like, also, like, <laughs> this track is the third longest track on the album. Yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, genius, like uh, what you said, there's just such full of shit all the time. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you want this song to be about that, so you're gonna come with some sort of false narrative. Yeah. So I'm like, well, fuck you. No fucking way. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Just just go through a – just look up a Tool song on YouTube and read yeah. the comments, and, and you'll know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, you don't have to look that fucking deep into it. <laughs> yeah, but, but their fans are so nuts, though. They're always yeah. looking for, like – Okay. Tool fans are nuts. I've was, I seen was Tool once live. I'm not a big Tool guy, but my buddy was super into Tool. And, uh, man, their, fan, their fans are something else. They're wild. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't want people coming after me, so I'm not going to talk about my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll the be, most uh, interesting police. thing Tool ever did was have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it'll be Tool and police at my door going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Tool police. <laughs> yeah. The Tool police. Yeah. Were um, you on mushrooms when you formed this opinion? In the yeah. habit. In the <laughs> Uh, Don't you know move- about the Fibonacci sequence? Everyone brings that up a tool. What about <laughs> sacred geometry, man? <laughs> it's a cool song, but yeah, everyone's everyone's <laughs> got to bring that up. The Fibonacci, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, I know. Uh, then we but again, speaking of expectations versus reality. Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a segue, a segue guy right here. <laughs> um, this was, I think this is probably my second favorite song on the record. Expectations. I think this one is this one's the most drum led album. Like I feel like the guitars and stuff are more or less kind of doing the same thing, but the drums are what like yeah, lead the changes. I sure times my record player is skipping because the beginning part it's so tight with this uh, run through. I was like, wait, is my record player skipping? Is it just doing the 
same part over and over again. And um, but which happens a lot in actually in Currents. I don't know if you Ryan, you listen to Currents on vinyl. Oh yeah, the first yeah, track. Was, I'm like, is this just repeating? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, this this song is generally about anxiety, which mm-hmm. which uh, mm-hmm. I think all of us could suffer from at some point or another, uh, some more than others. Fuck I got you, Joe. Fuck you. No, <laughs> no Joe, let's do a. I brought a jazz record uh, last week and we had to oh, quit. Cops. Oh, no. Oh, I I listened to the first couple tracks of that because uh, I think I think it was Colin had mentioned something on Instagram about it. Um, so I tried to check it out. I made it two tracks. <laughs> like, I love all those people like individually doing their own stuff. Um, yeah. There was something about it like, I don't know. It had this like weird like a 90s like turntablism vibe to it but like yeah, the second terrible. track was just like bass sounds and like wicka wicka victor wicka <laughs> this guy and i was like oh, okay this is like an intro track and i'm like this thing is eight minutes long <laughs> uh, uh yeah i uh i i did like this song quite a bit the last chorus on this um the last chorus thing uh, fucking it just oh my god it's just it, it did it so much for me on this one um it, it has a little it has that little break before the pre-chorus the last pre-chorus that really helps break up this song well mm-hmm. after it says i comb my hair and yes i checked my hair it it really um it, it laid down a, it laid down something that that prepared me for the rest of it which is again the, the all production on this one's amazing yeah totally see that that specific line uh kind of leads me away from thinking it's an anxiety thing and more just like he he thinks he doesn't care about relationships, but then when there's the opportunity to have a relationship, he's like, oh, but like, I'm trying really hard. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like we said, this whole record, he's going back and forth between he, he wants a relationship or he's fine being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one kind of um, reminded me, if we go back to the first side, desire be desire go you know desire the same as expectations you know immediately set like specifications for failure or you know what mm-hmm. i mean to, to you know uh, if you desire something then you know it sets up specifications for like distaste or um you know failure with expectations so that's kind of oh cool yeah on those two songs did you guys like the false stop at the end of this yeah it kind of um you mentioned that there was a few that kind of threw us through a loop, you know, where I'm like, oh, hold on, are we on to the next song yet? Are we not, you know, but yeah, I enjoy that for sure. Yeah. So the false stop, I actually, when I listened to this today, I'm like, oh yeah, that false stop. I actually took that as the beginning of the next song. <laughs> and, and then when I listened, I listened to it on my record player and then uh, I was still on Spotify. I'm like, oh fuck, it's just, it's expectations. I've been thinking this whole time that it's part of the bold era of time. But, uh, so if you want a bit, a fun trivia about this one. The end piece on this guy is the only track on here that has multiple people on it. Like it's like a little jam that oh, he yeah. did with like different oh, people. Cool. Genius did have that one right. We we read that. Yeah, there were actually yeah. different people. On it. <laughs> yeah, they got that one right because it's not an interpretation. Yeah, right. <laughs> they can't yeah. in on that one. Yeah. Be, yeah, but, but before uh, I realized yeah. it, was, it was one guy. I was trying to I'm, I'm trying to figure out like who played the drums. And I saw like there was someone that played drums like on the end of that. And I'm like, oh, oh that, yeah. Jay something, I think his name was. Okay, I can't remember his last name. But, I, uh, yeah, I think that's who it was. Are you guys familiar with like uh, the Pixies at all? Sure. Like a this one kind of gave me like a Pixies vibe of like this, like bouncing between like really loud and then it would go mm-hmm. quiet for the singing parts yeah. and get loud again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a Pixies thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, it doesn't sound like the Pixies, but it's no. got that 
Pixies kind of thing. Right. That thing they do. Yeah, I see what you're getting at. Uh, which brings us in the bold era of time, which is the the song with the least amount of lyrics in the whole record. <laughs> um, this uh, is the, the cream Jimi Hendrix song. Yeah, yeah, yes. super cool. And this is and this was probably my favorite song on the record. My second or my third favorite, maybe. Like I kept going back and forth because I love this song. Um, it, and it's it's just amazing to me. This one might be my favorite on the album. Um, or the the, the first track's really good too. Um, but yeah, this one, it, this this one, one stands above the rest, I think. It has mm-hmm. a really rock and roll intro. The the chorus is just super rock and roll, like in, in that aspect on it. Um, in a, it's it, the ending of it's so good where you hear it stops and you hear the da 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 da, and it goes back into it. Mm-hmm. I uh, actually laughed out loud at how fucking awesome that was. This was my favorite song on the record, and um, it, it was also the first one I recognized. This song was in a commercial or something. Oh, I, really? I, I definitely heard it before. I can't think of what commercial it was. Yeah, I what, tried to look it up, but I couldn't. But I, I definitely had heard it before. Uh, he from, has. Uh, if you like this one on his album after this one, he has one called Elephant that I know one of you guys mentioned earlier. Yeah, I like, I like Elephant. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it gives me very similar vibes to this one. He was where he was. It seems like he was like bold arrow of time. That ruled. That was a really cool song. I'll do that again. <laughs> K, KP says that um, Elephant bought him his house. But um but this one yeah. this one actually reminds me. I, I know I mentioned earlier about that first Pink Floyd album. This one reminds me a lot of that one, just where it's like you've got this like psychedelic stuff, but they have the it has this like stronger riff that you wouldn't really expect from something that's 60s inspired. Mm-hmm. But then you listen to something like this or um like Interstellar Overdrive. I don't know if you've listened to that one, but that's that's practically like a metal riff. When you listen to it, and then it's like eight minutes of weird freak out sounds. But like the riff on Interstellar Overdrive is super heavy for something that came out that early. Mm. Yeah. And then we, like I said, it was giving me kind of like Hendrix vibes, Cream vibes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely get that. But, but almost with like a, with a new sound mixed in with an old sound. Which yeah. Is really cool. Yeah. It's, it, not a lot of this sounds like an homage. Like it's, they're not trying, he's not trying to like copy it. It's like, he's incorporating it into what he does. Mm -hmm. Which, which is uh, one of the things I love about, about Tam Paul is that they, they, they take what they've heard, but they, they spin it around and turn it upside down to make something completely new sounding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it's not like a retread. And even though you can hear the influences, um, it's like he, he, it's like he breaks it from the inside. So I, I really appreciate Tam Paul for that. Um, I'm, Pro, the, even from these first two records, I'm the lifelong fan. A fan, even with um, even with the newer stuff, which is not necessarily as as um crazy as this earlier stuff, but it's still interesting in its own way. It's all worth listening to. Like I, oh, yeah. the Slow Rush is my least favorite Tame Impala album, but I still listen to it a lot. Yeah, it's still a great record. Um, which brings us to the second to last song on the record: Runways, Houses, City Clouds. Um, this song to me was about wanderlust right away. It's about believing, coming back and leaving and coming back. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't know if I relate this song more cause I, I've, I've traveled a lot. And, you know, in the past three years, I've been to Thailand, Japan, Sweden, uh, and, and um, in Denmark. I almost know. traveled once and then COVID shut everything down. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking COVID. Uh. 
but uh, I I dig this song quite a bit. It's it's definitely like you hear the '60s throughout this whole song, uh, mm-hmm. 60 psychedelic." Mm-hmm. Um, with the, this one to me bit. sounded the most like Lonerism, like his next the next album. Yeah, I hear that. Um, well, yeah, because there's a lot of synth in it, and Lonerism, you, he really brings that synth as a deep uh, instrument of like a lean instrument big time into his last next record. But I definitely hear that. It's also one that I, it fades in like the song comes in, it fades in and not just like starts right away. Um, and it's the one that I think is exceedingly reverb soaked when it comes to the vocals. Um, but, uh, lots of cool little noodling in this song. Mm-hmm. Was this the one lyrically? This was, um, like, don't tell me about home because it'll remind me of where I am. Is that? Yeah. 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 Don't remind me of home or I might notice where I am. Mm. Again, that, yeah. that same theme, you know, a, a, a few lines down, he says, uh, I'm gazing out the window. I ascend into the sky. Right. So he escapes, but I'm the one that's left behind. Yeah. yeah I, I really like that. I really like that couple. Yeah. Funny. And there's, really- there's one, there's one later, um, where like it does feel like he's kind of like leaving his old life behind and stuff is changing without him. Where it's like, don't remind me of home uh, in case it isn't quite the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. it's like being comfortable where you're at, but at the same time, it, it's comfort. It's like someone who feels like they don't belong, but is comfortable with that oh, feeling. Yeah. Almost, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you just, I mean, you have typically you got nostalgia and stuff for your hometown, and it's you know he's gonna go off to change, but he's like, oh, don't change. You guys don't change. I'm gonna go change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to come back and I want you to be the same as I remember. Yeah. So one um, thing I I'm big on is um, giving instrumentals time to breathe. So when things have like jammy endings, I really love it because you mm-hmm. you know you've sung over it, you've done some really cool stuff with vocals, but then when you kind of like the, let the instruments do their thing, I really like it. And this one had a really cool ending jam where there's kind of, it seemed like he's kind of kept adding instruments and adding instruments at one point, like a piano shows up and I was like, wait, there's yep. piano on this album. They waited right. until the second to last track to add a little bit of piano. <laughs> yeah. Cause the, uh, the lyrics, I think really stopped around four or five minutes and then the rest is just jamming, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I really interest. And it, it's a really good way to segue into the last song. I don't really mind. Yeah. Cause I two blended into each other for me. There is very like, a lot of this album did that, but more so for me, like the last two tracks kind of blended it, musically blended into it. Yeah, yeah. But but did you really mind? Not, no, I did not. <laughs> not at all. I think so that last- one is like the happiest sounding one on the album. Yeah. Yeah. The the la- you're talking about the last song or the second to last song? Oh yeah, the very sorry, the very last song. The very last song. Really yeah, it was the most like you said like a lot of their their later stuff is more like poppy. Would you uh, say like um, it's poppy, but I don't think it's happier. Okay, and I think it, I, I don't think it's any less or more accessible than their than their stuff now uh, back was then. I just think they've been around for so long, and people were talking about that they're just gaining fans just from perseverance. I guess the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Would, Ryan, would you agree with that? Do you think they're, they're as accessible as they were then? They are now. Uh, I I would say they're more accessible now, but. Less so because they're like not because they're not making weird, interesting music anymore, but because tastes have kind of shifted into shifted into more electronic instruments. Yeah. So people are more used to hearing electronic stuff. Where I feel like, as much as I appreciate a fuzzed out, distorted guitar, that's not really what people like too much anymore. Yeah, I miss guitar rock. I really do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this song I don't really mind. It 
it sounds like it's about apathy, but I don't think it really is. I think he's trying to convince himself that he doesn't really mind. Mm-hmm. He's achieved uh, yeah. a nirvana level of nonchalance and non-caring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's a good bookend to the like you, you mentioned uh, the very first song was a good introduction to the record and uh, um i forget the terminology you used but um just a, a good thesis. a good yeah the thesis yeah thesis yeah. yes and so yeah i feel like uh, t- to tie it all together this was a good way to finish it too yeah so i have a funny story about this album and specifically this song i have once and only once been given the aux cable when i was driving in a car so I picked what I thought everyone would be totally cool with. <laughs> this song has that one part with like the synth drone where it just yeah. kind of comes in like a big, thick, just like, yeah. that is the only part people heard as we were driving. And they were like, <laughs> what are we listening to? Oh, and I was like, it's been 50 minutes. What about the rest of the <laughs> So what happened when I, uh, I went on a road trip from Dallas to to Reno and back, and I, we, me and the uh, people we're driving with, we split our. It was a time of listening to music in half. Uh, so we came back to Dallas where I lived at the time about two a.m. And the guy we were riding with, he had a uh, record by this guy named Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this guy all it is is basically clarinet sounds from someone who doesn't know how to play clarinet, <laughs> it, and um. And I, I remember just hating myself and the life I was living, just waiting to get back to my car. Uh, and I, and I was like, I was like, Jared, do we have to fucking listen to this? And he's like, Yeah, man, he's coming down next month, and I, I, I don't get him in, but I do have that final somewhere in my shelf that he went me. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, speaking of speaking of music from people who don't know what they're uh, playing, are you guys familiar with the voice actor H. John Benjamin from like Archer? And stuff like that. Oh, not he, like the actor. I mean, I know Archer, but no, 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 I wasn't familiar with the guy himself. No. Okay. He, I mean, he mostly does voice acting. He does Bob from Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. But he's he's a comedian, and he's been releasing music under this <laughs> moniker of Jazz Daredevil. Oh my god! <laughs> and his first album is called "Well, I Really Should Have" with an asterisk. And then when you look <laughs> up at the asterisk. It's learned how to play piano. <laughs> so hired some really famous like jazz session musicians to play jazz. And then he goes in and he just bangs on the piano <laughs> very poorly. And it's a full album of this guy not being oh able to play God. piano. Oh, I just I, released a second album last week of movie soundtracks where he got a professional orchestra to do movie soundtracks and he fucks around on a synthesizer. <laughs> So I, I actually heard him on a podcast where he talked about his his answer machine is uh it's him saying hi you've reached uh, uh my old number and it, but it's but it, it repeats the number that people just called so they think that it's recall him again and so it reached <laughs> my old number I'm like that's fucking amazing oh, I love that but uh that was a uh, wonderism oh not wonderism um that was Sam Paul's inner speaker what were you guys you guys like overview thoughts on this one. Um, it, it, it was like Joe, Joe said at the beginning, it was a vibe. There wasn't one song that missed, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that that's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's typical on a record for there to just be a song or two that I'm just not feeling this one, but that wasn't the case with this one. I loved it all right. the way through. Awesome. It's, uh, my, uh, second favorite of the Tampa records tied with, um, Wonderism and Currents on this one. The number being number one, this is my second favorite, but I know it's Ryan's favorite. 
I mean, this is probably in like my top 20 albums of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, what'd you, uh, what'd you think? I really loved it. I, like Colin said, I don't, I don't think there was a miss. Um, it just remind, and it reminded me a lot of, of records we've heard. Like, like I said, silver, some pickups mm-hmm. and, I don't know. It, it was it was new for me too. Like I don't really think I, I've been exposed to a lot of music that was like this. Like I was telling Joe, like Silver Sun Pickups gives you that kind of dream state kind of vibe, mm-hmm. and this one like that psychedelic, uh, you know, trip kind of vibe. If if that's a thing, yeah, but, uh, I think so. But it, really it, quick, it was yeah, familiar but new. As a uh, when it comes to Silver Sun Pickups, I I kind of hate their third record. Um, oh yeah, uh, I, um, yeah. I, the the, the one, neck of the woods. I, neck, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I fucking hate. It. I cannot stand that record, and I, I fell off of them after that. But uh, I really like pickle. I like pickle. I like swoon quite a bit. I like carnivus quite a bit. But yeah. that third record is dog shit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, and I, I think uh, part of it had to do with with um, they they made a real big conscious effort to make the keyboards stand out as actual keyboards mm-hmm. and i thought that was a real misstep on their part but yeah i can't stand neck of the woods so i just want to bring that up while i talked to yeah. someone who actually like some some pickups yeah no they're, they're they're one of my favorite bands because of their first two albums and yeah. their ep like i just love their whole sound and their whole yeah. vibe but when that third record came out like i tried really hard to get into it like really there's a few there's maybe two or three songs that i like on it but the rest of it yeah. shit, i don't like it yeah um before we get listen to them yeah, I can tell, right? Let's do the first two records. And you'll be good. <laughs> Start at the third is all I'm here. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. Um, uh, do not stop. I'm gonna be right back. I I really got to piss, and then we'll get into social system. But you guys, Kim, I'm going ahead. Well, um, I mean, if this is if this is pee break time, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling well, safe. All right. I've been building pressure now for T minus. Yeah, and I I really don't want to like rush through Sturgill Simpson where we're like five songs in, and I'm like, okay, we're done with that track. Let's do something else. I got to pee. <laughs> All right. Well, I will see you guys shortly then. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I really had to fucking pee. Yeah, I drank three beers in like an hour, and that just, I got them. I'm a lightweight, so I'm just over here, like on my third beer. So, yeah, we, we got together a little bit before we hooked up with you guys. So, um, yeah, I had to break the seal earlier than I, <laughs> I, uh, I was getting tired. So, I drank some coffee. And then was like, oh, I'm thirsty. So I got some water. And then it was like, well, Chris is drinking a beer. So maybe I'll make a drink that I made out of rum and a sparkling drink. So I walked in with like three drinks in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and once uh, once Jake gets back, I'm going to take, I'm going to try to do like a group picture of some sort, just something so we can oh, cool. commemorate the moment. Yeah. Post on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those guys that I only manage the Facebook side of things. I'm really considering um, deactivating my personal Facebook because all the fucking venom that's going around lately. It's just, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I did that years ago, like um, probably around the, like when Trump, like the whole, like during like the presidential election, election yeah. with Trump and everything. And I just saw all the fighting back and forth with the, with each other. And I just, I'm out of here. Like I got off of all social media, turned off the news, like, and well, it, just, it's one of the best decisions that I've ever made. It, yeah, you've got to be in a great space. Like there'll be days where it's like I'll wake up and be like, you know, be laying in bed and it's like flip on Facebook or something because I'm not ready to get up. And then it's just like, <laughs> oh, cool. Well, today's gonna suck. That really set the mood. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah, it just gave me a. I would like, I would go through like the first three like things, and then someone would like bum me out, and then I would like click off of it. I'm like, why am I even? Why am I even doing this to myself in the first place? I've got a real uh, like masochistic streak of like 
I'll, I'll read like bad reviews of stuff I like to be like, oh, look, this person doesn't get it. But I do the same thing on comments where it's like, oh, this person doesn't understand how the world works. <laughs> Surely they have some valuable stuff to say in the comment section. And then I just get mad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, I, uh, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't look at all this venom that's everywhere. And so like, uh, you know, I, I've been avoiding, I've been avoiding comments that they're at least a bit political because everyone wants to politicize things that shouldn't even be politicized. Like, you know, like taking care of yourself. I'm like, what's yeah. going on? Anyway, uh, before we, uh, Helen, I saw it real quick. What's your, uh, what's your tattoo? I've got, a, I've got a few that, um, so this, uh, tattoo on my arm right here, uh, is a lion. So they're all music related. So this is, a a, a tribute to Van Morrison's listen to the lion. Um, okay. I've got uh, Were werewolves of London tattoo, which you can't really see too well on here. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I've got a few, but yeah, they, they've started to, they say, well, um, Chris, you've got a couple of tattoos. Do you have any tattoos, Ryan? No, uninked. I've got a, uh, I got stabbed with a pencil <laughs> somewhere. So I've got the, I've got the grade school tattoo. Yeah, yeah I got one right, right there on my palm. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's I just have... copying my tattoo. <laughs> Jake, what about you? Yeah, I'm ink free as well. Except for maybe like harsh chemicals from the factory that I've stabbed myself with. And, or oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got one. Who's got the rage fist? Oh, nice. Oh, no, see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the rage. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's, oh, is that the rage against the machine? That's awesome. I actually listened to uh, Battle for LA the other night just because I was like, I want to listen to Rage we again. It's been a really good. long time. Rage is so fucking good. I can't. Like, every time I listen to him, I would go out like a set cop cars on fire. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we He's we just didn't. so angry and it's just so. I don't know. I love it. We didn't. I haven't. Edited that. Um, we we just listened to that record. Um, maybe two weeks ago. So oh nice. Oh, nice. We did uh we did like a debut uh record That's one, and I picked a Dead Kennedys one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm kind of in the mood for like angry political music right now. So I listened to Rage Against the Machine like the same day we recorded that episode. What was the Dead Kennedy? Was it rotten? What rotten? Fresh, uh, fresh fruit, fruit for rotting vegetables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I was. <laughs> I was a punky growing up, so uh, I have a deep affinity for all that eighties hardcore stuff, like Minor Threat, and um. I love Minor Threat too. And uh, one of my favorite bands of all time is Fugazi. I fucking love Fugazi, and I'm, I think, uh, pretty sure my tattoos are media Fugazi related, but they probably wouldn't be cool with that. Um, but uh, if you guys also want to see a great um documentary on Amazon Prime, they have Fugazi's instrument, and it's an amazing documentary. Um, if you guys are big Fugazi fans, which I am. Now, Fugazi's the same guy from Minor Threat, right? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a uh, lead singer Ian MacKay's uh, band after Fugazi or after Minor Threat, and it's um, it, to me, it's more Radiohead than anything else. Like if you listen to it, it sounds nothing like Minor Threat. Yeah, Minor but, uh, very angry, very angsty. Yeah, mm -hmm. very, kind of kind of immature. You know, they sit yeah. George shit, shit a lot, <laughs> um, but um, it's uh, a donut word. Really My mom won't let me say it. <laughs> Yeah, so okay, we will say they say the fuck word a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fuck word. <laughs> um, but you guys want to get the Sergio Simpson sound and fury? Well, I, I absolutely. But real quick, uh, oh yeah, just because you referenced, so you're on your last uh, podcast, it was awesome debuts, and so mm -hmm. I'm glad that um, it w was uh, was this uh, inner was inner speaker considered at all for that uh, episode? I don't uh, think so. It might have been. It might have been for me at some point. Uh, but 
a lot of them, like, I'll kind of just forget about for a little bit as soon as, like, I'll, like, zero in on one and I'll be like, ooh, yeah, I want to listen to Dead Kennedys right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. It'll be that. I think it might have shown up. I don't know. if I don't even know if it showed up in my runners up. Um, it should have, though. I mean, now looking back. It probably right should now. have. I, for whatever reason, forgot this was his debut album. <laughs> Any uh, consideration for Rage Against the Machine on that one, their debut? Man, I did think about it, actually, but I didn't mention it. Uh, it was one that I definitely thought about because it's an incredible... Uh, Excellent it, debut. And I don't think yeah. they've ever topped that, their debut. I think the, the first record is their best record, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Township Rebellion might still be my favorite Rage Against the Machine song. Mm. I know the whole solo to that fucking song. Yeah. My, uh, my, uh, my debut uh, was actually Rose to Judah by Def Heaven. Um, a black gaze band. Um, they're not for everyone, but it's one yeah, of those we, bands that, that was one of the ones we were considering bringing. And I'm like, we can't do that to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, black metal is such like an acquired taste, and shoegaze is such an acquired taste, and then they just mush them together. <laughs> yeah, but we, we we're big fans of Death Heaven, and um, if you guys decide you want to check them out, Sunbather is probably the place to start. Um, and it's but it's. It's definitely a quiet taste. It's it's bizarre. It's like take like the background vibe of Inner Speaker and then just put like really extreme metal like interspersed in it. Yeah. Wow. Now, now when you guys do the podcast, do you think of it? Because I kind of think of it that way. Like you know, we have like different tastes in music, so I try to be as open minded as I can. Like, oh yeah. Are you guys trying to like open yourselves to different kinds of music, or are you guys mostly on the same page? Would you say? We're probably 30% the overlap, I guess, is the best one. 30 40% overlap when it comes to musical tastes. Um, but we definitely we definitely um, are open-minded when it comes to different records. I think the record I brought in before the last one we released, I brought in a folk record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, I, I didn't listen to that record, but I, I listened to the podcast. It sounded really interesting. Um, who, Goats, yeah. who is that by? The Mountain Goats. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we have different tastes, but like the same – open-minded appreciation so it's like at no pointer i mean we may dislike stuff uh we haven't quite hit that point yet of me being like chris you have absolutely just gone off the deep end with this one um <laughs> just hit that point <laughs> actually yeah. i just have a I, I put a i put a um a theme in the hat called the gauntlet so i'm waiting for that uh-huh. <laughs> i'm waiting for that to come through and so we can challenge each other the most on that one that, that, and that, that would be jazz uh, that's gonna be like if we had one to be like a jazz record, like some kind of hardcore punk record that just like, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it could be like unlistenable. We just hate ourselves by the end of the night. <laughs> I, I do typically approach it with like, this is stuff I actually listen to, but I realize like my taste sometimes gets a little bit out there. Um, I, every so often I'll kind of edit it to be like, because I could do every theme could be a Primus album because that's my favorite band. I love Primus. Oh, cool. So it's like I could I could do like you know ten Primus albums in a row, but I try to like okay, I'm not going to do a Primus album for this one. Just Primus to, sucks. Yeah, <laughs> just to try to challenge. Uh, part of it is me trying to challenge myself, and then there is a significant part of it that's like, okay, is. Is there going to be enough to talk about here? Because one of the ones for debuts, I was going to be like, it's 10 songs of songs that they kind of do the same thing and there's no vocals to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what could we, could we talk about this for any length of time? Southbound yeah. pachyderm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also like, a, uh, I remember Ryan brought in a Sun record once and Sun are a drone band. 
And it, we surprisingly got 30 minutes out of talk about basically just a, a drone record. Um, yeah, it's but, they they just have super fuzzed out guitars that it's just like they'll just yeah. and then like the song's <laughs> like 15 minutes long of that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, uh, we there'll be something someday that Ryan hates that I love. So I'm looking forward to that. And vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think we should get into Sturgill Simpson. Um, and I think. Do you have to a primer on uh, Sturgill? Yeah, I want to. I think you should hit us with some history about it and him. Yeah, for sure. So um, I was. I don't know if it's the same for you guys. We can get to it. But I. I um. I first all saw Sturgill Simpson on Joe Rogan's podcast. Whenever that was, it was. Um, he had released a record in 2013 called High Top Mountain. Um, which was a really straight up like classic country record. Yeah. And um and then he came out with Metamodern Sounds and Country Music in 2014. And that's what like kind of propelled him into like more mainstream kind of um got people talking about him. And that's when he went on Joe Rogan. Um and so yeah, he's a really interesting guy, man. I, I love conceptual stuff. And um he what on that first Joe Rogan podcast, he outlined that he had this whole plan that he had, he had this whole plan to release five records and that he already knew conceptually kind of what they were all going to be about. Um, and I think part of that is by virtue that he got into the game kind of late. I mean, he, he was, I don't know when he first, I don't know when he recorded his first record. He was in his thirties, you know? So he just kind of, he always played music just kind of for recreation. Um, but you know, he had, he had like a, you know, a big boy job as uh, like working in a train yard, and uh, eventually just decided, you know, it, the, the story he tells is that his wife told him, hey, you know what? You don't suck at this as far as music is concerned. What, so, so they packed up their shit, went to Nashville, and, uh, and, th- and that's how he got started. Um, so, yeah. So, so he's kind of – it's interesting because he, he's, you know, certainly a country artist. He's from Kentucky, and he's, uh, he's got an unmistakable kind of country voice. But I think he's deviated further and further away from country – as his records have progressed. So I don't know what your guys' familiarity with him was before, you know, uh, or how you got into him originally, but that's for me. Uh, you know, before, Oh, go ahead. Um, what, what I was noticing, I'll get into it, but I did know Sturgill Simpson lately. Um, he's been using a pure, real punk rock aesthetic to his, um, not necessarily his music, but his, um, his personality, especially in the face of a, uh, gain fame and fans. He's sort of been giving a finger to everyone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Uh, yeah, actually, before we, you know, we were just meeting up for record night. I think, um, you know, before we started the podcast, record night was a thing that we just did mm-hmm. uh, as friends. And uh, Same Colin, here. Yeah. yeah, Colin just introduced me. I think we listened to um, Sailor's Guide. We listened to it was my first exposure to Sturgill mm-hmm. Simpson one record night, and I just. I loved it and I picked it up right away. So that was my first kind of foray into uh, him. But um, his, his, the record we're going to talk about, is like a lot different than that. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my first exposure was a song called turtles all the way down. It's uh, it's a, it's an opening track on matter modern sound to music. Yeah, Isn't that a John green book? <laughs> You're right. It is. <laughs> is it? I, I never knew. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but it's basically a song about like, just like drugs and like, <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I, I've, I've never heard a country artist talk about that's the, that's those subject matters. And, it, mm-hmm. and, and not just about drugs, but about like life and afterlife and like a lot of like those themes. 
because um, when I think country music, I think guys talking about trucks and and you know beer and girls and this is he comes with all new subject matter, all new sounds with guitar, but he's still got that classic country voice, which is yeah. rooted in Americana and it's rooted in like just it's just very American to me. It's very like mm-hmm. with especially with his songwriting stuff, there's a lot of just good American music. Yeah, my exposure to Sturgill was um with this album. I oh, my cool. boss at work they, I, you know, it was a normal, just like, oh, what are you guys going to get up to today? And they're like, oh, we're going to go home and watch an album on Netflix. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, they do that? What, what is it? And they're like, you know, they kind of told me the backstory of Sturgill Simpson. And they're like, yeah, it's a country guy and he's doing an anime movie. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm also going to go home and watch an <laughs> album on Netflix. <laughs> um, I guess, so from my understanding, there's a decent amount of like, context surrounding this album are you guys this is all from my understanding what i've been told but are you guys familiar with what what was going on around this time with sturgill simpson um well i mean um uh, chris you kind of referenced it a little bit as far as him giving a middle finger to everybody i think Mm -hmm. he really um he found you know he he started to find mainstream success with metamodern sounds and country music and then his next record a sailor's guide to earth um, was uh, country album of the year at the Grammys. Um, he was actually nominated, but didn't win for album of the year at the Grammys. He lost to Beyonce or whoever. Um, so he, so he really kind of got propelled into the success and I think got really jaded towards just the music industry and, um, you know, getting pulled in a million different directions. And so um, they recorded this record in Detroit and I, I understand they did it very quickly and um, recorded it like with, um, some of the imagery you get in the anime film, like samurai movies and stuff, uh, with the idea being like, hey, like you got one shot, you know, in a in a samurai sword fight, you got one shot, you know what I mean, or you're fucked. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of the idea with recording it. So that's like the, the as far as the context, that's like as far as I understand. So what I had heard is, so he's he's winning Grammys, he's being nominated for album of the year with country music. Mm-hmm. Country people hate him. Because he's yeah. an outspoken, left wing, yeah, yeah, talking about talking about drugs and all that stuff. So he very much feels, or at least I get it a lot from this album, is he felt like an outsider in country music, despite being like the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the same way that Jason Isbell is a left leaning, uh, or even the radical left wing uh, country musician? Because the, you have this, um, they're holding to some sort of ideology when you're producing music especially like country music that you have to um you have to agree with everyone uh, and that's not the case with with Sergio or even um Jason Isbell so i i i definitely enjoyed the attitude but um that's a big part of the but, record why i like yeah, it so yeah and so Sturgill Simpson is doing something that it's something i'm advocating for that i know will never happen but like when you get popular enough or do whatever you're doing like i like when these popular famous people don't rest on their laurels too much and they they mm-hmm. start doing interesting things like this is not a country album it's maybe got <laughs> no. like, twinges in there but it's not a country album but it's know. coming out from somebody who just won a grammy for a country album he writes a rock do we album. give our, do we give the listeners a chance to, to pull this one up uh yeah let me talk about justin bieber and grindcore real quick <laughs> okay <laughs> My 
my big thing is I I'm waiting for this moment when these people, these like really famous people make enough money and or get enough clout or whatever they're whatever they're doing that they just go, okay, I'm gonna be an artist now and I'm gonna turn my money into doing like really interesting music. So I want like just one of these people to be like, okay, I'm done trying to sell albums. Here's my grindcore album. I've always yeah, oh, I've loved, you know, thrash metal for so long. You know, Miley Cyrus releases a thrash metal album. Like, I don't know, just something something like that where it's like, you know, do something interesting. Try not to spend so much time selling albums. Like, make something weird. Get weird with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things he said is he goes, you know, he's rooted in country music, but he said, I always wanted to be the lead guitar player in a rock and roll band. So mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do a rock and roll record, you know? Fuck it. Yeah. Release an anime movie as a country. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's another thing, too. That really delayed... One of the things for me is I was like, where the fuck is this album? Because he went on Joe Rogan another time and basically said the record is done. But then they began the production on this anime movie. And so that delayed the release of the record by about a year. And and he keeps a low profile. Like he wasn't really on social media or anything. So that really kind of uh, added to the intrigue, you know, that led up to the release of the record, I think, too. Yeah, I think it was made by the Afro Samurai guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, he he brought up the names, but they were like very famous. Yeah, as far as like anime. Yeah, so he's um, getting he's like getting big studios to do to do his yeah. album. Yeah, which is I mean that's I honestly wish more musicians would do this. Uh, I know that the National they had released a short film for their most recent one. I'm easy to find. I know that Arcade Fire did one for the Suburbs, but nothing like an actual visual album like Sergio did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, uh, I was, I was pleased to see this existed and is accessible, accessible, uh, as on Netflix's, you know, like, yeah, that's like, a, that's what I was going to say. And then to get the backing of Netflix, like Netflix, like, oh yeah, sure. This country artist wants to do an anime uh, <laughs> thing on our, on our platform. Sure. We'll, we'll give them the platform. Mm-hmm. And it, it was yeah, like, exactly. success. like a lot of people like watched it and like, you know, for, you know, for that, that short period of time, you know. But yeah, it was. I mean, Netflix was probably happy with it. I'm guessing. So let's uh, go ahead and get our listeners a 10 uh, second pause, so they can go ahead and uh, pull up the record. Uh, it's Sturgill Simpson's "Sound and Fury." And we're no, back. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back, and that was Sturgill Simpson's "Sound and Fury." Um, so. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I want to touch on again this whole record. Oh, like I guess like maybe half of it, if, without looking at the film, it's basically just like talking shit on the music industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Um, I didn't have a chance uh, to pick this one up on vinyl, but I do have "The Sound in the Fury" by William Faulkner. So <laughs> hey! I hope that oh, so you read that instead? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? Because that's the. Yeah, <laughs> My favorite, my favorite William Faulkner book is the anime that they released of a sound and fury. Each <laughs> one. So uh, this record starts out with this song called uh, Ronin, which I mean, it basically, this record it does have a concept, one one percent okay. all the way through. Absolutely. And if you watch the anime that was released, it definitely has a concept. Um, it's wild. It's definitely, um, it's definitely challenging the convention of a maybe country fan who would listen mm-hmm. to this. I took notes on both the movie and the the album at the same time. Oh wow! Well, well, well just a, a note real quick. Um, 
as far like the theme for the for the podcast that we're doing is uh, records we've bonded over, and so uh-huh. um, we all really enjoyed this record. And then we went and saw Sturgill Simpson live um, in Pittsburgh, about two hours away, um, and we were pretty lucky because it was, we saw him. It, it, I think it was March fourth, mm-hmm. so it was kind of right before everything started getting shut down. And, oh wow, um, that was recently. Yeah, yeah, it was. yeah. And so he had um a, a, another really really good country artist, Tyler Childers, open for him. And, um, we, what we kind of noticed was like a lot of the crowd there and, and this was an arena tour. I mean, he, we saw, Mm -hmm. you know, he was playing big venues and, um, we, there was a lot of Tyler Childers fans there and we noticed, it seemed like when Sturgill came on, a lot of people left, you know? So I, I I feel like it was a big country. I don't know if this record, I I mean, it makes sense. It would have turned a lot of country fans off, you know? I think it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen that even with comedians that. Like for example, I went and saw David Cross. Um, yeah, and a lot of a lot of people knew him from uh, from Arrested Development, but I'm very well aware of what his comedy is. Uh, and um, about half the people walked out because they were just so disgusted by this by, by David Cross. And I was like, I was so pleased with him. I'm like, this is amazing because he goes out and he says, you know, I see a bunch of you out there standing up, give me a standing ovation. He's just so extraordinary walking out in 10 minutes. <laughs> Men in Black yeah. is what came to mind for me when you mentioned David Cross. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot uh, he was in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ronan, I, I think it's a good, like, it's like a vibe setter, a mood setter. Because, um, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it's an instrumental track besides, like, the radio chatter. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, you know, hop in the car, start the car, radio comes on, and then it just feel it feels like a cruising song. Like, you cruise... Cruising the desert, listening to Ronan, and uh, and uh, Sergio gets a lot. Uh, I was looking at who you know played the record, played, and Sergio's playing guitar and all throughout this record, mm-hmm. and he is a proficient guitar player, and uh, and I think it definitely shows throughout this whole record that he knows how his way around the fretboard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons I love he went in this direction because he's a, he's a good guitar player, like you just said, and I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it, I'm, I love that he showed it off on this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a showboating for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and that's not a bad thing. Um, the only only bad I think uh, showboater is Inve Malstein because he's just such a good guitar player. <laughs> but I I cannot stand his music. It's just it's fucking garbage to me. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Chris talk shit on every musician he can remember. <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> hey. But uh, the, the, the way I got from Rona, I said I actually wrote down Desolation Rock. Because that's what it feels like, mm-hmm. and I, uh, Ryan, I think you said this felt like a uh, this felt like a Borderlands core. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. Are you guys? Do you guys play video games at all? Are you familiar with Borderlands? I know Borderlands. I, I, I know the game. I've never played it though. The, a lot of the music on this sounded like the music that's featured in like the credits of those games. Cool. So I was like, I would listen to this while I was playing Borderlands. Like this is <laughs> this matches it perfectly. It's like open world, kind of post apocalyptic, but yeah. in space thing and it's like it it matches this perfectly yeah that's that's perfect yeah that's a good and, good and the ronin i think is almost a, a sort of a thesis like the last one is it sure you get the idea that that sturgill or sturgy didn't give a fuck when doing this mm. like he he did what he wanted to he didn't he didn't bend the will of his fans or people were expecting from him um and so i was much I, like a ronin a, yes much like ronin. i'd rather <laughs> and, uh, commit seppuku than <laughs> yeah i mean ronin's were wandering samurai he's he's wandering his space trying to find uh 
I I feel like a lot of this album is like him kind of trying to figure out where he belongs. If like yeah. he's basically being the best in a genre that won't accept him, then it's like maybe he needs to move on to greener pastures somewhere that will accept what he's laying down. Or or do something that that he feels good about, and not what everyone else feels good about. Like like um, he, he needs to create his own thing, and that that's even referenced later on the record. Uh, instead of trying to be someone, do something. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep. But uh, Ronan is a good opener. Um, it gives a a chance for for Serge Simpson to show his tops and sort of get an idea of what's to come. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, but what's to come? Where the meat of the album starts. So remember to breathe. It's, Mm-hmm. Which which I wrote down says uh, <laughs> Sturgill trying to get his lascivious fuck on because <laughs> um because I mean the song itself it's 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 obviously not from the it's from a different narrator than Simpson uh, it's kind of a uh, spooky song about uh, finding girls and kind of raping them um, what that is not at ra- all what I got from this what did you get from this song. Uh, I don't know. I really like the line of uh, having one-way conversations with the darkness of my mind. Uh, he does all the talking because I'm the quiet kind. Mm. What did you get? Okay, uh, what did you guys get? So when we first listened to this, that we kind of struggled with what this song was, and it was kind of Jake. I, I I think it was Jake that said, "I think it's like about rape." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like, "What?" The, you know what I mean? But so so yeah. And if you read about the song, if you read comments and that sort of thing, you get the same kind of struggle uh, among people where like it's about the music industry you know, raping artists and that sort of like, that's the kind of the allegory maybe he's going for. Um, one of my favorite interpretation is, uh, what Joe said, it's just kind of a preparation for what's to come on the rest of the record. Like it's about, it's about it's to like, pick up, ready, remember to breathe, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. Well, I got it that, um, that it was from a different narrator. It's definitely, definitely about like, instead of rape, it kind of, it's kind of rapey. Um, <laughs> but uh, because I, I use the word lascivious, but um, but uh, but like when it says having conversations with the person in my mind, I was thinking like you know the devil on his shoulder, mm. or you know the, his I guess alter ego friend to talk about the last record. Yeah, but um, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's definitely it's a crazy song. Um, and uh, and I I don't exactly Brian what what was happening at this point. In the movie, when the song. Oh, uh, well, this is where the animation switches to actually hand drawn, which I think is really cool. This, I think, is the two bad guys are moving up to the the temple near the top and yeah. just absolutely slaughtering everybody. But it has one of the coolest things uh, I've seen that I wish I want more samurai movies and stuff to do. They cast swords in blood. <laughs> yeah like the sword's hot and they just dip it into a sword into two bats of blood yeah <laughs> like i'm not i'm not a big like anime guy or anything like that but i mean sometimes there's there's good ones sprinkled in there i really i mean i like a lot of like japanese cinema and samurai are you movies. A, right i know you're actually are you a miyazaki fan because like spirited away oh yeah, yeah spirited uh, Kiki's delivery service, that sort of thing. My wife is used to be a huge anime fan, so I've been a—I don't want to say subjected—that it's a bad vibe, but I've seen a lot of this stuff. Um, I think so. I mean, good movies exist, uh, you know, outside all, all of whatever like genre they uh, they, they fit into. So I don't want to be like, you know, oh, all anime is bad and 
embarrassing. <laughs> I like how you use the term embarrassing. <laughs> All right, um, but you guys are moving to sing along. Well, just real quick, like the transition uh, from Ronin into this song, I think it's a, um, I think it's just a synth kind of lead in, but it sounds, mm-hmm. I don't know what the traditional instrument would be, but it's got the very Japanese kind of sounding um, intro. And it would probably be a flute yeah. in, uh, in that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, so it's a good introduction, and it really, um, as the record goes along, kind of ties it together um, conceptually. So I, yeah, I, I enjoyed I agree. That, that lead in. I picked up on that. Yeah, there's a bit of it sounds a lot like Japanese uh, traditional music, mm-hmm. but it's played with these modern instruments. But yeah, you get yeah. that like thread of like Ronin or samurai movies throughout mm-hmm. it, which I really like. Um, I think Sing Along is the first uh, song on there that I get a funk vibe from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts out real funky and I want to say rollicking. Um, is the best way I put it. <laughs> Sing Along is probably the first song in here that I actually really, really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got this instrumental bridge in here that I just I think it brings the whole song together. Without it, it wouldn't be even be my top five songs. But the instrumental bridge is, probably makes it my favorite or my second favorite of this of this record. Um, and um, I'm trying to see what I wrote about the lyrics here. Yeah, this this to me was a basically about a bad breakup. But there's a lot of he said she should bullshit to quote um to quote Limp Biscuit. But I'm um, quoting Limp Biscuit. <laughs> so that, that just reminds me of a weird tangent. So when we were talking about doing this collaboration episode, we did consider like albums that we bonded over by like making fun of them uh, and we were like are they going to come in and be like oh we really bonded cuz we met in high school and we made Fun of Limp Biscuit all day. <laughs> I always used that's funny. We I always used to make fun of uh, Fred Durst at our oh high school yeah because we were friends in high school. That's how we met. Yeah, and, uh, I always used to go yeah, give him my lunch. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Creed was another one we used to make fun. Oh, of. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So that was that. That was a little uh, a slight concern we had is like, oh, are they going to bring a bad one that they all like, <laughs> just make fun of or ironically like? And I was like, should we do that? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that you were not listening to Human Clay or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, what if they brought Human Clay and we brought uh, Significant Other? I know. What dude, a great dude, episode. It'd be, It'd be chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavor water. No, if we brought one. That's, <laughs> the one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my favorite motherfucker. That album is <laughs> terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I like corn. I don't like limp biscuit. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, I, I mean, I, I I can't say I haven't pulled up uh pulled up um what go follow the leaders that their second record. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't say I haven't pulled that up on my Spotify since I've started pay- being a paying <laughs> member. That would be a lie to say that I haven't fucking jamming got the life. But, um, yeah, there's some good jams on that. Uh, so with Sing Along, this was kind of the point when I was... Because I, I didn't listen to it separate from the movie at any point. But I, I got a little distracted by the movie. And I wrote down, this is the one where Sturgill Simpson fights a train with a car. <laughs> And I thought it was cool, but I do really like the lyric of like, well, I know that, oh God, I can't even read my own handwriting. Uh, well, I know you know that you're killing me, but it's worth it just to see you smile. And it's like, mm-hmm. ouch. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's, a, that's a great line. Yeah, that's, he's got some good lyrical chops. 
Yeah, it, one of the things that Sturgill, I mean, when you start out as a country musician, you're a singer-songwriter guy. And so you got to get that shit down before you even consider putting a band together, I think. And um, that's why I think that, I mean, that's why I think there's Bob Dylan's so great is that he got his lyrics down before he got a band together. But um, mm, yeah. but that's just a thought on that. But uh, yeah, Sing Along uh, is a, it's, I don't know if I would sing along with it, but it's definitely not a bad song. <laughs> uh, that's fine. The, see, Sing Along was the first single they, that he released for this record. And if you know anything about Sturgill, he really, because he releases concept records, which are yeah, intended to be heard as one piece. Continuous. He, yeah. he doesn't even like releasing singles. He's like, well, what, yeah. uh, you know, what the hell? But um, it was good. I, I it, it it was very interesting because this is, kind of, I think, the first song that has like a, a more like electronic kind of feel to it mm-hmm. on the record, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's it's one of those that I enjoyed it when it got released as a single, but I thought it hit way harder like in the context of the record. It's like whoa, you know, and it kind of picks up, and um, yeah, this is generally the one when, uh, that people who I introduced this record to that this is kind of their favorite song is sing along. Okay. okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we move into a good look, which is I think the first song in this record that's pretty blatantly about the music industry, like right away, like like it makes it pretty clear yeah. that um that he's talking about the about the machine out there, mm-hmm. um and he's raging against it. <laughs> but, um, that's right. but it starts out kind of cacophonous, and then it goes into uh, more of a a groove on this one. Um, Again, this is kind of a uh, funky, groovy song. Uh, I did write down thinly veiled critique of music industry, and I love the third verse in this because all this is just talking shit. I also <laughs> like, wrote down. I wrote down specifically like talk about verse three, cause, yeah, because you got lines of like why you getting pissed. Uh, damn it, man! It's really hard why to you... write like on your lap while you're sitting on the couch. Um, it's <laughs> like why you getting pissed because you're getting you're... discovered. Yeah, getting that's discovered. it. Why? And then like. Are you talking all this shit to get on the cover? Like, I'm yeah, positive this is stuff people have said to him. Yeah, this is this is a big fuck you because then he says he goes on to say, "Well, then how are you going to eat when you're biting a hand?" Like, this is Sturgill's. He's still eat. He's biting a hand. He's still eating. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's still the one. You know what I mean? So it's like you're a gimmick that works as long as you know you're in with the crowd. As soon as you turn away and do your own thing, and of course they turn on you. And the chorus talks about like how people are looking over image over music. You know, everyone's worried about a good look, but then you worry about good a good hook. Yeah. Yeah. And so um so yeah, this is the first fuck you song. And it's to me, like uh Sturgill, he's either I don't know if this was self-released or not, but if I can understand the record was like, we don't want to put this out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so and so yeah, good look to me is. I mean, like I said, to me, a lot of the strikers are punk rock in the way that he's saying "fuck you" to all these people that have these expectations of you. Yeah, and so this was released so, by Electra. Yep. Oh uh, fuck, the big machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, to me, this was I really enjoyed it because the uh, big fuck you on it. Um, it's not my type of music, but I enjoyed the attitude quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The attitude was what made it for me. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts? On this one, I think this one stands out in an interesting way on this album. Yeah, I, well, I, I'll let everybody speak for themselves. I, I love this song. I love the like everything that's going on. It's really it has that like uh, like I don't know like disco kind of like yeah. funk. Yeah, I get, that's yeah, what I, I was that. gonna say. That's how. That's why I think it stands out so much. I'm like this track is disco inspired. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and then and then the guitar kicks in, and then like there's that big synth, you know, oh, yeah. like you know, again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, but yeah, I can understand. There's a lot going on. So if it's not somebody's favorite track, I understand that too. I mean, uh, you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so like one thing we, we we haven't got into yet. Uh, one of the themes in this album is the whole theme of like the radio, like the radio dial, and like mm-hmm. and, like you hear like the static. Well, I think what he's trying to do with this album is he's trying to give you different sounds. So this sound is like uh, the the disco sound, and like it, later on you'll get more of like you know like a Pink Floyd type sound, or mm-hmm. or uh, you know just like dip. so it's like it's like if you were changing the radio station. Mm. I hadn't know? even yeah, thought about yeah. that. That, yeah. That's a really good. That's a really interesting way. I didn't think about that either because you know you listen to that first track where he's changing the dial. You can look at this and sort of like someone changed the dial. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, so he changed the dial and he landed on a, um, you know, on a on a disco channel or some type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and mind you, he's still like driving. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he, you know, th- that beat is still driving. So he's like in his car driving, just changing the channels. So I really like that way of looking at it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's one of the main reasons why I love this album is the whole concept of it is. Mm-hmm. is just, mm-hmm. So because I've only listened to this album in the context of watching it with the movie. It's really hard to separate <laughs> the song from this specific scene because this is the scene where they cut an action scene off to do a dance break and they don't come back to it until the post credits. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, wait, what happened? Everyone was dancing, and then it's like, oh, the bad the bad guys are dead. Hold on, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> this is the crazy part of the anime. This this dance scene. It was very very intense. It struck me as like. This was a. I know that Netflix thing he put together was a very expensive. They spent a lot of money on it. And oh, it seemed like a lot of it was like this song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so, crazy. Were you were you guys all fans of the anime, or is there? Some, or did you guys? I'm saying you're not into it. I watched it. I know. Like we kind of. I tried to. At one point, I tried to sync the record and the Netflix, but I, I don't, I've never done that before. But there's like some sort of. You can't do it. <laughs> it'll just end up out of sync um so yeah i was into it I've, I've watched the anime a few times i don't know if you guys have though um i'm not the i'm not the biggest anime fan i mean i'm not very familiar with the genre so um i would just rather listen to the album <laughs> yeah i think see i'm also not an anime guy but i i think the main reason i watched it was just like somebody comes up to me and says a country musician released an a grammy award-winning country yeah. musician released an anime and it's like I got to watch that for like the sheer, just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I watched it too. It was like, oh, like, so just to put out an anime? Like, that's weird. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. watch that <laughs> at, at least once. And if I don't like you, don't, you know, I'll watch it again, you know? Exactly. At least, at least once. Hey, Jake, did you check it out? I, I think I remember, sir, I, I could be completely wrong. We might have to cut this part out of the podcast. <laughs> a lot of times, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But, uh, <laughs> isn't there like a scene where like there's this like masseur guy? And he's got like he's like enslaved all these like these women. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? He's yep. like riding a car. That I was like, wow, this is like <laughs> this is pretty interesting. Like, what the hell is going <laughs> on right now? Yeah, that's like the part that sticks out for me. And he was like in some kind of machine or car or something. Like, what the hell? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah both the two bad guys were being carried by like people yeah, through this like, dystopian yeah. wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then we move on to make art not friends, which. Uh, again, to me, this is like a synth rock song um, when it comes to the groove and bass line. Because, which one of the things also this record is that a bass lines were 
a big uh, gr- the rhythm section is huge yeah. in this record even with the last record we talked about rhythm section but this one's I think just as huge when it comes to it but uh, this one Make Art Not Friends just sort of was like kind of misanthropic in ways of like talking about like like everyone sucks uh, bro um, a dying world lack of sympathy and empathy mm-hmm. but there's interesting instrumentation throughout this whole song um I like this is probably my favorite song on the record make our not friends. Mm, cool. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's one of my favorites. Too. It's like one B, I think, for me. I don't know. It's, it's hard, but yeah. Um, um, it um I like that they slow stuff down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was real yeah, it was it's almost you forget about how fucking like hardcore it is for a second there. Like that fucking rhythm's like boom, 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 boom. And these funky bass lines over it, and then it's kind of just chills out. Kind of gets you back into the, you know, get you rolling again. Are you guys familiar with the Cars, the band, the Cars? Oh yeah, yeah, I know. yeah. Did did, sure. did this sign? Did this song remind you of, of that of the Cars? Yeah, I mean, now that you I mention did, it, yeah, yeah, because yeah, also also the read that Sergio listened to hip hop in the Cars. Yeah. when writing this record, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I'm I, I'm not sure I hear the hip hop, but I definitely hear the Cars mm-hmm. when it comes to influences. I, I think the hip hop is just kind of the fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. as far as he referenced, this album was recorded in Detroit. Eminem's from Detroit, and he, I think he referenced him as far as, so I think it's just more the lyrical content as far as that's concerned. Yeah, uh, if I had to be honest about this, uh, the lyrical content was more interesting to me than the than the music itself. Sure. Like I said, to me, this record's all attitude, and I really enjoy the attitude on this one. Yeah. Yeah, th- this song... Yeah, it it just goes right in theme with the record. It, this one hit me really hard. We'll, we'll get to it. it the um, anime, or like lack thereof, maybe I don't know <laughs> what quite the definition is, um, is another interesting aspect. But yeah, just about just I feel like this song is just about not uh, compromising. Maybe somebody who who was trying to do that, but uh, just kind of realizes that's not the way to go. You know? Yeah, I I the part like Chris, I think you mentioned like it came off as like misanthropic. I got it more as like him kind of reflecting on a lot of like the false friends or like the yes men he's made by kind of rising up, getting a little famous and trying to move away from that. Yeah. Um, This part also is an anime in the movie. It's a live action part of somebody skating around in a hazmat suit in Japan. (laughs) Stealing shit. Uh, For, uh, for people who were listening to know what the plot of the anime was. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, then we went to best clockmaker on Mars, which on Mars, which to me is sort of it's it's about loving your girl, basically. <laughs> um, let's get together, baby. Um, uh, but uh, they the genius had an interesting take on it, which I don't know if even Sergio plot about it. But they they mentioned the movie The Watchmen. Did you guys see The Watchmen? Come on, no, no it is a comic. We are not talking about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a comic. I did read the comic, dude. So yeah. don't, don't don't go beat you with me. I, <laughs> no, I I absolutely hate the movie. Really? See, I, oh I, yeah. I feel like fans generally like the movie too. Like they like the comic and they like the movie. So, so I, I think like it's a really poor adaptation. That sorry, we're we're gonna get way off track. I think it's a poor adaptation that misses the point of a lot of stuff that was in there that got cut. Yeah, but well, the ending to me is so different that I'm like. I might understand why they changed it, but I still wish that they had stuck with the original. Yeah. I don't want to give it. Are we, can we give a spoiler on this? No, because we're not talking about Watchmen. We're talking about. <laughs> fine, <Simpsons>. fine, fine, fine. 
I just I'm sorry I want to do the movie podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I best clockmaker on Mars. I I it's a I rock on. It's a rock song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I believe this is Joe's favorite record this on the my, yeah, or favorite, favorite song record yeah. rather on the record. Um, an interesting thing about when we saw him live is uh, he was playing this record at all his shows as a piece. He was playing the record from beginning to end. Oh, that's nice, cool. nice. That's really cool. Well, and then in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm following along, so I know this. But then in Pittsburgh, we were the first show where he did not do this. So he opened. Oh shit! Opens with the best clockmaker on Mars, and we're like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> like, I'm, all, I'm all for it because this is my favorite song. So to open up the show like that is like, yeah, I'm for it. You know, all right, yeah. go for it. Like I'm in. I, I think I would have been more than just like calling him like I'm like holy shit because he put the record front to back and then he starts I'm like fuck like I wanted that experience. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little it was a little disappointing, but him starting with this song, I'm like, hey, just just take me on this ride, like go, yeah, whatever, wherever you're gonna take me, I'm I'm there. Um, but I like this song. It had this is where I did kind of start to get some of the more like psychedelic elements because there's a part later on where there's like a keyboard solo. But I feel like the keyboard solo like almost doesn't quite match the music, but it like by not matching it, uh, it, it stands out really well in a way that like it like forces you to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very psychedelic rock kind of uh, technique that people use. I, I recall it being like it, the song. It's, it's called the best clockmaker on Mars, and like that keyboard part you're talking about is a very like kind of alien sounding. You know, I thought it. Re- I thought it really fit. You know, as far oh, as yeah. like, with along with the title. Oh yeah, you know? definitely hear that. Um, then we move into "All Said and Done," which is a uh, it's a it's a spacious number, I guess. Best way, but it's slowly spacious, and um, it. it I actually really, think this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite track. Mm. It's it's really about a disillusionment with with. I mean, what uh, what I pulled from it, it's about um disillusionment with the lifestyle that he's been living. These past couple of years, uh, when he's been getting, you know, uh, he's been getting famous. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote down disillusionment. All the shit is the same anyway. Old Sergi gets some chops, but um, uh, yeah, that's what I got from this one. Again, more critique on on the on the cult of personality comes with fame. Also, it's the second song where he he uses the line he references like uh, you know, take all you can get, keep your fingers off mine. Yeah, like that, yeah. you know, again that that individuality kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go this way. You you keep doing what you're doing. I'm going this way. Colin actually brought that up. I didn't notice it until Colin mentioned it when we were doing our, you know, listen through for the first time. Yeah, Interesting. I, yeah, I, I didn't they, even notice that. The chorus says, and, and uh, giving up on your dreams floating around inside your brain. And I mean, it's pretty obvious that Sergio, Sergio Simpson had a dream to be a musician, but it's sort of saying, hey, I'm sort of not about what I thought it was, you know? Yeah. And so uh, it's again. I want. I I've been using the term misanthropic, but uh, to me, this song sort of it's a sad song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a vibe from this one of like he's kind of. I feel like he was having a bit of a struggle with like this going off in this weird direction because I get this vibe of like it, yeah, it would be super easy just to stay doing the country thing and be fine from it. Um, and like, there's a little bit of a fear there, like a nugget of fear of branching out. Um, but obviously, he did it. But yeah, that that was a part of the vibe I got from it. Yeah, I want to. I would guess that he got a lot of people that respected him quite a bit after this record came out. I don't know that for a fact, but to give so. such a yeah. to give such a 
a middle finger to the industry and to even some of his fans. Oh, yeah. That takes a lot of takes a lot of balls. It's mm-hmm. it's not I me. Mean, it's it's not exactly Dylan going electric, but it's definitely mm. up there with the, with fucking with people. I like that comparison. Yeah, yeah. He left yeah. he left a lot of fans behind on this album. Like the fans that were fans of maybe his first two albums. Like mm-hmm. a lot of those. It's kind of like with me with Silver Sun Pickups, right? Like I like their first two albums, and then the third album just wasn't doing it for me. I feel like a lot of his early fans probably like this album. Probably just they were just turned off by it. like now. I'm, mm-hmm. We're just gonna I'm gonna you know stop it here. Yeah. Um, and I think you, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think part of that um, part of that thing is like I'm kind of thinking back on like the genres he's referencing and stuff like that. And I think a lot of these like on first viewing. Like they, it kind of comes off as like stupid music, I guess. Like there's not a lot of depth to a lot of like, here's disco. Where's the depth you find in disco? Where's the depth you find in like boogie woogie or like a lot of this like blues <laughs> rock stuff, but he's adding a lot of this depth to it. So maybe that was part of the turnoff is like, you get this first impression of like, oh, he's just making dumbed down stupid music now. And he's not. Yeah, and they, but a lot of people, a lot of people don't listen to lyrics, you know, they're, mm. they're hearing melody. Mm. And so, uh, so certainly we challenge people saying, hey, I'm putting something that I really feel into these lyrics, but all you're hearing is this disco beat or this synth line, yeah. you know? Well, and, and from a production perspective, a lot of times on this record, he, he although the lyrical content is good, he kind of buries the vocal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I feel like that's, it's, it makes sense that people wouldn't hear, you know, what he's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you, you said you're, uh, you like the Pink Floyd, the first Pink Floyd album. Did you get any Pink Floyd vibes off of this song? This, this, uh, uh I did actually. That's album? probably why it's one of my favorites. And it's, yeah. it doesn't feel, it feels like early er Pink Floyd. Like I'm getting a lot of like metal and like the song Echoes. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a lot of that. It's like playing around with sounds, letting, letting kind of like the song breathe. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, there's a lot of space in here, but it's a lot of like interesting space. It's not just like silence or sparseness. Right. But I really like this one's my favorite. Yeah, this is probably my, my second favorite behind Best Clockmaker on Mars. It's really good. This this whole middle part of the album, I really like five, six, and seven is is my favorite part. This is the- oh yeah, it's definitely. I think that's probably like the for me the best like run on the album. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Did you have anything specifically on this, Jake? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was kind of looking at the lyrics, and I just wanted to, in the same vein as kind of like branching out kind of thing and being pulled in different directions. I just like the songwriting because. In in one in one kind of uh, between the outro, I think in the in the chorus, he's talking about like forgetting his own rhymes, mm. but then but then he says, "I keep trying to write," and the same thing pops up on the page. So you know what I mean. So like the only things branching out in this record, it's like the only things you can come up with for an old country record is the same shit he's done before, and he's mm-hmm. forgetting the stuff that's like inspiring him. You no, know, the rhymes he forgot weren't the ones that he's written three times. The ones yeah, I got, he forgot I, were the inspiring ones that you have to capture in that moment. And I think yeah. that's what that's he's referencing is write what, what people want to hear versus what's inside himself. You know what I mean? Also, also got he was trying to sort of break through when it comes to the different ways of songwriting because it it almost sounds like it's also about writer's block. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm generally not a fan of songs about songwriting, but um, but uh, I I do like I do like uh, the the way he rapped it in this one, um, not not say rap, but like I do like the way that he presented it in a more interesting way than than someone who's not a songwriter listening to a guy talking about how songwriting sucks. You know, like it's it's yeah, I, it's, uh, 
I it's something it. that's been done like a million times and usually everyone does it bad, but I think this one did it great. Mm-hmm. If you have interesting stuff to say about not being able to say anything. Mm-hmm. Then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, then we got to like, I guess the fastest rock number on the record, which is last man standing. And it has my favorite lyric. Uh, yeah. It's uh, by the way, the, the, uh, the speed that Sturgill spits these um, lines out ri- uh, rivals like fucking, uh, our game is in the world. We know it. Like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, and it's a it's a rock song for sure. It's like it's it's no no extends buts about it. You can, it's a rock song, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and it has the fuck coordinate, which is all about. But uh, yeah, Ryan, I'm you said your favorite lyric is in the song. I'm very curious what that is. <laughs> it's fuck all of y'all season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like I felt that in my core. But this song had a real like, what if Elvis did a punk rock song? (laughs) Yep. And I I I do like the fact that to me the song is about oh I decided which way I'm going with this record so fuck everyone (laughs) like yeah so uh one of my favorite lines that makes me kind of like Snickers well you know Daddy needs his alone time (laughs) but uh yeah this song is a fun is a very fun song to me yeah this is one that, like if i had to pick one song on the record that's not my favorite i guess it would be this one but it's when it comes on i'm still like fucking popping my head to it and i i, I do like it so you know yeah, yeah. one but head it, to be all- the worst. It doesn't mean it's bad it just means it's right. not <laughs> if I had, yeah exactly exactly but i agree i think this one's kind of on the the lower end of the ones on here yeah it's not my favorite but it but it, it has some sort of energy to it that i think really picks it up like like we've had these songs and it really picks up the energy. So it, it's, it's a uh, testament to good sequencing. Yes. You know, I totally agree. And, uh, and um, I don't think that a lot of artists, they really think about sequencing, especially if you're a pop artist, mm-hmm. you're all about getting that piece of candy out and not really worrying about how it fits in with the actual full work of something. Yeah. Um, so, in you know, the line you'd be selling tugs of on a pickle with a backdoor tickle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is one I was a little bit like he didn't like I have the um I have the vinyl and um as as far as I know he didn't release any like lyrics with this officially. So like if, Oh really? If you go on Genius, they've got them, but like the last time I looked at them on Genius there's like a few question mark portions where like they don't they don't know we, we don't know what the fuck he's saying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best guess we got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where do you guys fall on that? Do you do you think that artists should release their lyrics for stuff or do you like it when they kind of like maybe let you figure it out i i go both ways on that it depends so with sturgill i certainly it's 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 very sturgill to like hey fuck you you know what i mean like i'm not yeah. releasing the lyrics you figure it out you know <laughs> yeah. but I, I respect both you know no, i i generally like when artists are kind of like cryptic and they, they just like you know because music to me is all up to your interpretation like mm-hmm. you know um so yeah, so if the artist doesn't want to release lyrics, I don't think they have to release lyrics if they don't want to. Right. Obviously not yeah, forced. Uh, right. Yeah, but I think... I Please think, uh, Do it now! <laughs> like, when we listen to, like, black metal bands or metal bands where it's all just fucking uh, shrieking and screaming, mm. I would like the lyrics. It's not necessary, but I do definitely like the, to know where the headspace of the artist is at mm. instead of just screaming nonsense. Like, there's no fucking way that you know what Death Heaven says by listening to the records at all. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so, having that stuff included uh, helps a bit. 
But when it comes to a artist that if just listen a little harder, you can figure it out. I definitely think it's okay to not include the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I I prefer having lyrics, and I think um, an artist I really like, uh, Ko Dot, they will actually go on and upload their lyrics like to Genius and lyric sites. Mm. Um, because I think there's like a certain danger in letting people interpret your stuff and think they hear yeah. what you're saying because people can vastly misinterpret it and be like, Oh my God, did you hear that? Like weird, like white supremacist line in this thing? And they're like, no, we, didn't, we didn't say that. I promise. Yeah. They can misquote you for sure. Or project their own life experiences onto the, what you're trying to say. Like, and even in the interpretation, like there's some interpretations, like I said, it's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But it's yeah. like, so one of my favorite records is a band by, by a band called Converged, and there is a record called Jane Doe, and that record is so frustrating because there's no lyrics, and there's no fucking way you can know what he's saying. And uh, you know, I'll see him live, and they'll be like, hey, thanks for making this real positive experience. I'm like, you know what make it more positive? I knew, if I knew what the fuck you were saying. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're one of those bands that it's like, you know, they're they're yelling or screeching, doing their thing. So it's like there's no there's no like enunciation within that, so you can't you can't know what they're saying. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I would agree with that. I agree with everything you guys just said. And in the context of this song, I think it's Sturgill's a little bit hard to understand generally. And then this song mm-hmm. is particularly loud. So yeah, I mean, if there was any song I would appreciate lyrics to it'd be this one. I can make out a lot of them, but yeah, there's some where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Right. <laughs> right. And then we move into Mercury and retrograde, which to me is the most, uh, the most, outward song about journalism like talking shit to people saying that you know like or you know when you become famous you get a lot of people that hang on to your coattails to oh yeah to get some sort of fake there's some sort of uh legitimacy to your work and here he's just like i don't give a fuck about that i just i want to be doing what i'm doing you guys can just uh, fuck off um you know a lot of people don't darn savvy to people who are their friends just for a reason but I think Sturgill's pretty pretty keen to that, especially after his second record where everyone started getting up all his nuts about it. Mm-hmm. But I like Mercury Mercury Retrograde. If I had to guess, this is probably my favorite song on the record. Mm. It's it's up there for me. Yeah, this, is, this is Jake's favorite. Yeah. The, the, Joe brought up the cars before. This is where I, I really hear like the cars in this. So that, that's where I heard that influence. Mm-hmm. I this one has this a super solid chorus on it. Like it's super catchy. Um, it was great. And it, I, I like the, um, I kind of like the, the stuff I got from it at least was like, um, you know, Mercury and retrograde astrology thing of like bad stuff happens when Mercury's in retrograde. Um, but that's a temporary thing. And after that's done, these people are still shitty. So they can't explain away their <laughs> shitty behavior by saying Mercury's in retrograde anymore. Yeah. They don't have, you can't use the sh- weak excuse of it anymore it's like oh you just suck mm. yeah this was a cool song yeah I, I did like the strings in it there were strings in it that showed up that was not really anywhere else in the record and yeah. so i thought that was pretty interesting too mm-hmm. yeah jake what why does this one you, you said this was your favorite song we listened to why, what stands out about musically it? this is my favorite one mm. for just it's it's a happier song i guess i don't it it, it it's a it's a kind of a break but it, that's one thing about this record is you know, Joe, you talked about the you know kind of switching dials on the radio frequency, but there's always that that like that like keyboard 
element that ties everything together. This was just my favorite radio station. Like it's all really yeah. similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, l- lyrically, I just like the line, you know, at least it's not hanging around pretending to be my friend. Like you said, like when at least the retrograde, it goes back and forth. <laughs> you know, you're still shitty. You're still the same. <laughs> After yeah. It goes back. No, I just think that's so funny. And it's like re- relatable in a lot of ways, I guess, to most people. And I, this is another one by like touching on like astrology and stuff like that. Uh, you do kind of get a sense of that. I mean, I haven't listened to any of his early stuff yet, but I feel like he's got more of kind of like, you know, psychedelic, maybe a little bit more like spiritual side oh, to him that I feel like it's coming out a lot in this song. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you talked about sequencing before and I really, I mm-hmm. like, I like where this song is placed in between the song right before it. And then the, the final track on the record. Oh yeah. Well, I was actually about to bring that up about about the um the last song on this one, which is which is uh, fastest horse in town, mm-hmm. which is it's I wrote down slow rocker because it is it sort of it sort of loads you out, it sort of gingerly takes you out of it, like a closing track, but it, it's not it's not it brings you to a idea that this record is ending, which is um which is great because you're not getting a lot of demo love as they call it when when it comes to a record. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, do you guys want to get into the last track on this? Well, so uh, we, we drifted away from the, the anime a bit, but th- this is oh, yeah. the... Oh, um, yeah. These are the credits. Th- this song is the credits in the anime. Yeah, Fastest Horse in Town. Yeah, so so it ends. Um, like, I, I've got the... Uh, I referenced, I got the vinyl here before, and... Um, sorry, let me let me pull this out. On the inner... Yeah, uh, see it. On the inner sleeve, it's a, it's a blood red uh, record, which is pretty oh, cool. nice. Oh, like, nice. Record like cast in blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so um, Sturgill is notorious for doing this on his previous record, um, Sailor's Guide. He, there's a little note where it says uh, to be to be played at maximum volume, mm-hmm. and um, and then this one is just it's got a little you can't read it here, but it just says uh, "fuck your speakers." <laughs> and, uh, and I think this last track is really kind of where that comes into play, you know. So that that reminds me of um, we talked about Sun earlier that like drone band they the guys who are in that band run a record label called southern lord and their their motto is maximum volume yields maximum results <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah it's great so the lord's a pretty incredible level they have the label that has some amazing stuff on there and it's great um but back to sturgill <laughs> um uh i i do like how this is this i guess he he mentioned in some of his interviews that i read that this was a heavy record, the heaviest record he's done. And I think that Fastest Horse in Town is, to me, the only truly heavy song in the record. Mm. Um, it, I like when, it. has a nice fuzzy start to it. Yeah, yeah. And I really love the ending, but we'll get that. Um, the ending, you know, ends like it begins in yeah. the radio. That's, that's, yeah. It ties, it ties everything together. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what makes it like a concept album, I think, is, mm-hmm. is with that, with those like sounds that kind of tie the whole thing together, the whole radio station thing. Um, the, the the themes throughout the album of you know the fucking like, just like like fuck the industry and like you know let me, mm-hmm. let me be myself like let me do my own thing that's to me what makes it a concept record 100 percent yeah i didn't even think about like the record the station changing thing and now i can't not hear it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no once you hear it yeah you, you hear it for sure and at the end there's some some guy like talking like about uh what is, what is he talking about at the end about? I want a gift uh, card for God. <laughs> and I, I read that was from Jim Baker, that uh, that douche nozzle. Oh, uh, yeah. A I can't believe that that's a real quote. Like, that sounds like a fake misquoting of, like, gift from God. 
but gift card. <laughs> we we talked before about like doing a record that you've bonded over, like making fun of. I think Jim Baker was definitely like I we I used to watch that show just like for the entertainment uh, shows <laughs> like that you know, entertainment value. So you, but, Colin, you had mentioned that this is the end credit song, but it's not only the end credit song. Mm, it's yeah. also the song of the fight scene that the dance scene took over, mm-hmm. which is badass. <laughs> so the bad guys finally die. There's robots that turn into swords. A uh, nuclear <laughs> bomb gets dropped. <laughs> it, it's, it's so crazy. it's so perfect, like with with the music, the way it picks up. Th- this is fastest horse in town is my favorite song on the record, and it took me a minute. I feel like you guys are maybe more like. I'm not as into like heavier music metal and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So th- this song can be kind of harsh. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning. Um, so it took me a minute, but they end up uh, hitting a really good groove yeah. at the end of this song. And so that's, it, it ended up being my favorite song on the record. Okay. It's a great one. Uh, it's got, I love jamming. I love when people are jamming stuff out and like most of this track is jamming and I love it. Yeah. It's like you said, they hit that groove and they just, they ride it for a while bunch of swords flying around it's it's perfect <laughs> yeah and I, I thought it was the perfect ending uh chris i think you kind of referenced it when the record started but uh mm. the the lyrics like everybody's trying to be the first uh, every, everybody's trying to be the next someone look at me i'm mm. trying to be the first something it, i just yeah. felt like when i listened to this for the first time i was like you you fucking did it sturgill you know what i mean like you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved that i thought it was the perfect end to it I love the bit about, uh, I think it's verse two, where he's kind of riding on that uh, symbolism of like the old horse. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, he's he's just calling out the, uh, like the exploitation of uh, the biz. The biz is what we call it in the biz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just like, it's this horse that like, they're just going to keep using it as long as it keeps running. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to be that. He's tired. He's the old horse. Let him, let him go. Let him do his own thing. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was really into this, uh, the chorus of the song when it comes to the lyrics on this, uh, Sergio knows how to, how to spin a yarn and he did a great job with this one. Um, so, uh, if you guys are fans of Sergio, um, where do you rate this some of his discography? Um, th- this is, uh, I still have a hard time. Uh, cause I think meta modern sounds and country music was just so like, um, like groundbreaking. I guess, like as far as a, a psychedelic country record, um, yeah. But but this is my favorite. This is my favorite Sturgill record. Okay. Oh wow. How about you? How about you, uh, Jake? This is definitely my favorite as well. I I liked I like Sailor's Guide. I'm not as familiar with the other ones, but this one is just it's hard, man. I'm a fan of hard music. I I think real real quick for me, I I think it's like I I referenced. I don't know if we were recording yet or not, but I was saying like I'm not really a country music fan. Uh, Sturgill kind of got me into it. So the fact that he came out with a rock and roll record, I was like, fuck yeah! I think that's kind of what does it for me. You know? How about you, Joe? Where are you in this? Um, this one would be second for me. I like Matter Modern Sounds, whatever that one's called. Uh, sure. Because when I think of Sturgill Simpson, I think of that album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is second, and then. A Sailor's Guys is a very emotional album for me. Mm-hmm. It talks a lot about like life and, and death and just, I don't know. It's very, uh, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's, I mean, you know, the Grammys, you know, they, you know, it was, you know, highly, um, acclaimed, acclaimed, but yeah, this, this, this album that we just listened to would be number two for me on the Sturgill, uh, okay. discography. This is my favorite Sturgill Simpson album, but it also has the special uh, honor of being the only Sturgill Simpson. (laughs) But uh, so you guys had suggested an album to me earlier when we were talking about um, Inner Speaker. This one reminded me a lot of, are you familiar with The Sword? 
I am not. No. Well, they started off as kind of like a, a metal band and they've taken a lot more influences similar to this album. Um, so their newest album is called Used Future. And it reminds me a lot of this album. Uh, I think you guys would oh, okay. get something. I think you'd dig it. That'd be cool. I, and I, I don't Colin, know. maybe it'll it'll ease you a little bit more into into metal and heavier stuff because <laughs> yeah. the singing is almost exactly the same. So you listen to um, like Used Future and it's very kind of Sturgill Simpson-y. And then it's like, now imagine that with really chuggy riffs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I, felt, I felt like all this record had uh, vibes similar to Super 8 off of Southeastern by Jason Isbell. Ah, sure, which, yeah. Yeah, I got that quite a bit on this one. Um, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm... I'm uh, I was. I'm glad that we listened to this one. I was something I've definitely been curious about. So, giving myself a good excuse to sit down and listen to it twice. Hey, but thanks for that. <laughs> we really want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I I was a bit worried sending you the the message because it was something I was like I was taking a shower and laughing to myself like oh how funny would it be if I just like sent him a message like what if we collaborated record night and record night like that would be funny <laughs> but i'm always a little bit worried like when i think something's funny somebody's gonna you know not think it's as funny and then you know you get a message from me and be like oh there's another record night oh, we'll you. show that other record, record night it was a real record night but, <laughs> yeah but we've already we've called the cops on chris so we're, we're taking <laughs> <it>. <laughs> You got I, nothing yeah, on me. <laughs> I'm looking for a decent deceased letter in the mail. So. <laughs> no, 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 but uh, seriously, like we yeah. we love I like we loved having you guys on here. You're super cool dudes. Um yeah. and you recommended good stuff. You have awesome stuff to say. Um and I would like to give you this opportunity to plug the crap out of your guys's podcast absolutely uh yeah so i mean it's we're at record night podcast on social media we don't have a, we don't have a facebook page uh just it, it's pretty much just instagram as far as all social media is concerned mm -hmm. um we I, I, i've uploaded the podcast is on spotify um we we i pretty much our show is on youtube primarily that's kind of uh like when I edit the show that that's what it's edited for. Um, mm -hmm. Do you guys do, I haven't looked you up on YouTube. Do you have like a video along with it? We, we yeah, we recently yeah. started a lot of our early podcasts were just audio. So I would um, put it up on YouTube with just like a picture, a picture of the record basically. Right. Um, and so we started recording on the webcam and uh, I'm looking to getting into a camera. I'm just trying to ease into like, I uh, kind of referenced at the beginning. I'm not very good. Uh, Jake's kind of the technology guy. So I'm just kind of uh, easing into it, but yeah, we're kind of building it up as we go. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, uh, so yeah, like I said, um, you guys were uh, awesome. Uh, anytime you want to do this in the future, we're all, we're all about. It. Yeah, yeah, I, that was fun. Guys. Definitely, I, I'd, I'd love to do it again. I'm glad you reached out. Like I said, I had kind of I had known about your podcast and listened to it, so I had thought about reaching out myself. So I was glad you did. And uh, yeah, this was awesome, man. I'm glad you got. I didn't know how it was going to go, so I'm glad you guys are really cool. And uh, this this was fun. All right. Well, uh, and we had a blast. We're, we're all right. Well, uh, but uh, all right. That was record night, guys. We'll, we'll see you next time. All right. That was we'll record be... nights. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in touch. All right. That was our uh, collaborative episode with Record Night Podcast. Um, you guys can reach Record Night them them at a Record Night Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, and they're on, they're on, they're on Spotify and YouTube. I'm not sure what other platforms they're on, but that's the only ones they mentioned. Uh, well, they do they do YouTube. I think their their main thing is YouTube, where they they film their yeah their stuff, and you can watch it there. Which I'm maybe assuming it's we'll, called Record Night Podcast. There, yeah, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do that someday. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like dress enough for the camera, but um, 
Yeah, uh, you guys can reach us at recordnightpod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash recordnight. And we're on Instagram at recordnightpod. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and those- each of us runs kind of a different part of it. So you get uh, you get the Chris flavor on <laughs> Facebook. You get the Ryan flavor on Instagram. Yeah, and uh, we really hope that you guys uh, listen to theirs too. Um, it's a... It's a good time. We had a whole yeah, lot of Yeah, they're fun. cool dudes. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else going on, pal? Uh, yeah, I actually do the music for this podcast you're listening to right now. Um, so if you liked the intro song and the outro song, my band Smell, with a question mark, mm-hmm. uh, did it. So you can find us at smell.bandcamp.com. And okay. we have two little like EP album things on there for free cool uh i do a podcast weekly called movies that don't suck and some that do uh it usually comes out monday or sunday so uh if you're coming into the work week you can uh start your day with a little uh movie talk uh also i wanted to mention that you know what i forgot i wasn't mentioned yeah but yeah that's what we do <laughs> uh I, I know some of you guys are looking forward to the next episode being worst uh, album by the favorite artist but that's actually gonna be episode 21 um we had to find a time to work with the other guys, so it just so happens that that's going to be our next episode. So we didn't draw a um, theme of this episode. Um, but you'll right. hear... Yeah, we drew hear, one for episode 19. you hear just uh, me and Brian the next one. So uh, uh, that was Record Night. I'm Chris. And I'm Ryan. Uh, and we'll see you when we're talking about Worst Album by Favorite Artists. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you guys later. <laughs>